Welcome to episode 72 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on March 6, 2018. My name is Brad Galloway, and I am the editor of GameCritics.com. I'm also 50% of this show. With me, the other 50%, as always, Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics. How you doing, Corey? I am doing very well, Brad, and I have something exciting to share before we jump into pre-show stuff. Oh, dear. Exciting turn of events. Please, pray tell. I know. I didn't even tell you this either because I wanted this to be fun. Um, so the other day I was <clears throat> um, sitting. I can't remember how this came about, but Patrick texted me and he was like, um, he was like, some guy gifted you something on Steam. And he, like, took a screenshot of it and then texted it to me. And lo and behold, good friend of the show, Joshua Jackson, he bought Old Man's Journey for me on Steam. Oh, he did? Yeah. I haven't started it yet, but I was so happy whenever I saw it because I was literally about to buy it while you were talking about it on the show last week. And I'm sure he heard it. And uh, whenever I decided not to buy it on iPhone, because it would be better on PC, um, yeah, he turned around and gifted it to me on Steam. So, Josh, I know you're listening. Maybe you're delivering mail right this second, because you're a good Samaritan mailman. But thank you so much for gifting me Old Man's Journey. I'm very excited to start it and play it and talk about it on a future show. But that's, like, the first real, like listener gift thing i've ever gotten so that's really exciting thank you so much josh oh that was very cool josh is a great guy is he is he for real a mailman i think he is yeah that's man josh if you're listening number one i bet your calves are just like crazy right they're not like walking and stuff (laughs) number two do you listen to our show when you're walking around delivering mail that's cool i mean let me know if that's how that works out because i would be very curious to know where you listen Oh, actually, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because actually I had this idea. I didn't run this by you yet either. So I guess this is another fun surprise. We're just, we're just fun surprises on this show surprises. today. <laughs> fun surprises. You know, we had gotten a picture um, from Michael London last week and he is in, oh shit, motherfucker. I want to say he's in Sweden and I had that post open a second ago. Hold on, hold on. I got, it's not that far back. I can find it. There it is. <laughs> yes, he is. He's from Sweden. Okay. Uh, he was chastising me, and rightfully so, about getting the Scandinavian countries thing wrong. But he sent me a picture of where he was in Sweden, and I'm like, oh, man, it's so, like, super snowy and cold, and it looks, like, I don't know, just miserable over there. That's that's interesting that he sent that picture. I was, I mean, if it's okay with you, Corey, I was going to invite our listeners to take a picture of where they listen to our show and send it to us on Twitter, because I would really love to see the different places that, that our voice gets to. I mean, not to be, like, an ego boost or anything, but, like, you know, a lot of people around the world listen to our show. And, I, you know, I know where I live. I live in Seattle and you live in Louisiana. But I'm like, yeah, you know, Michael's in Sweden. And I know we have people like in other countries all around the world. I would love it. I would love it if you would take a picture of wherever you are. And, uh, you know, don't give me any personal details or anything. Just, you know, you know, the landscape where you're at or the weather or something like that. And just kind of, you know, and tell me where you're at and send a picture to our Twitter. Uh, and that would be fantastic. I would love to see that. What do you think, Corey? That would be really fun. Also... If you feel inclined to send nudes, you can send those to me. Uh, send those to Corey. Send those to Corey. But for the <laughs> la- <laughs> landscape, environmental, I don't know, just like wherever you're listening to our show, take a picture, send it to us on Twitter. I would I would love to see that. So if you got time, if you're so inclined, please uh, do that and we'll 
maybe talk about it on the future show, give a shout out, all that kind of thing. So just an idea I had last week. I forgot to write it down, but you reminded me about that. So okay. We need to have like a, now that we have the So Video Games office, I mean, what is it? The office Northwest and the office Southeast or something. One of yeah. us needs to do like, <clears throat> like I'm sure that this is in a lot of Seattle restaurants, like a lot of like flagship restaurants where you walk in and there's like, the map of the world on the wall and people put the little pins on yes, where they traveled yes, from yes, that yes, we need yes. one of those in one of our offices. We should totally do that. That would be so cool. I would love to do that. Um, that is a great idea. So if we get enough people participating, dear listeners, if you want to tell us where you're listening and uh, send us, you know, that information, we'll, we'll get a map going and we'll put pins <laughs> in it. And then once we get more than like two pins, we'll take a picture of it and we'll share that. That would be a really neat, interesting thing because I'm all about like bringing the world together and, you know, like reaching out to people in other countries and, you know, we're all the same under the under the skin. And even most of our skin is pretty much the same, too, if, when you get right down to it. So I'm all about that. I think that's a great idea. We could be one big global family. That's a, that's a fantastic idea. So listeners, help us out. All right. So moving on. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's get back on script here. Before we get into the game's content, uh, just a quick reminder. If you are the kind of person who enjoys our non-games chat and our various misadventures, uh, you can catch our usual banter after the ending music at the end of the episode. Just keep listening past the closing music and you will catch up with what we've been doing when we are not in front of our consoles. And um, before we leap into the games chat, uh, just a heads up that today's show is going to be a little bit different. Uh, We usually have a fairly structured agenda, but today we've just got this random hodgepodge of stuff. Uh, we've been playing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We've got some wrap-up for some games we've talked about in the past. Just some some random scattershot stuff. So uh, we've got a whole list of topics to hit, but instead of going uh, with our usual format, you know, turn by turn, like one thing at a time, we're just going to just, we're kind of like, we're going to pick and choose, like we're at a like, games buffet. Corey will pick something, I'll pick something, and we'll just kind of go freewheeling and organic, and we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll be great, maybe it'll be terrible, who knows. But uh, we'll do that for this episode, and we'll see we'll see what happens. How does that sound to you, Corey? That sounds like a plan to me. All right, great. Well, let's kick it off. Let's get this show under underway and on the road, on the road, under the road, on the way, whatever. Let's start talking about some games. Corey, why don't you go first, man? What's, uh, what's on your mind right now? Well, I wanted to preface the games that I want to talk about this week um, <clears throat> with a little bit of a, like a, a disclaimer or something. So one thing that I, I feel like maybe I tend to do maybe more than you, or I could be wrong on the show, is that lately, especially lately in the past couple of months, I will come on the show and be like, oh, I played this game for like an hour or like a couple of hours. And then toward the end of our discussion about it, maybe I'll be like, oh, you know, yeah, I'll try to play it more. Or I'll try to beat it or I'll play some more of it and report back. And like this show is basically going to be a way for me to unload like a bunch of games that I've been talking about in the past, maybe like a couple months or so, um, just to sort of like come back around to it and either update everybody on, have I been playing more of it? Have I not been playing more of it? Did I jump in for another 30 minutes? Did I finish it? So um, I do have one kind of core game toward the end that I'm going to talk about. That's something that I haven't talked about before that I've played, uh, you know, maybe like two to three hours of that I've kind of uh, gotten a good like bite into but most of what I'm talking about today will be stuff that I have talked about before, but I'm just going to give like brief or moderate updates on if I've been playing it more, if I haven't, um, what I've thought, why I stopped playing it, why I keep playing it, and just stuff like that. So that's sort of like, this is just like the episode I picked to sort of like drop all my baggage on the games I've been playing for a couple months back onto the show and discuss where I'm at with them. 
Sounds good. Let's do a little uh, virtual fruit salad of uh, game tidbits. I'm all about it, man. <laughs> so uh, what is the first ingredient in the bowl? Uh, the first ingredient is probably... I have to choose carefully here because a couple of these games I haven't actually played a whole lot more of. Um, let's start with... Okay, so let's start with the Room Old Sins. So I talked about this probably the longest ago. And uh, we've talked about the Room series more than once on the show. It started as an iOS series. It's a puzzle game. A lot like Mist in a way where you're sort of like... But instead of in Mist where you're like kind of walking over these grand uh, like linear environments and solving puzzles... Um, the room is more like, I mean, just like it says, you're in like a room and you're kind of solving puzzles in a room. Maybe move to a second room that has some coordinating puzzles, come back to the first room, stuff like that. So I played, I started the room Old Sins uh, a couple months ago whenever it came out and I was enjoying it at the time and I talked about it on the show and I had only played it for about maybe an hour or so. And I actually finished it the other night and... I recommend this. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this game. The thing that I basically wanted to put out there that I think is fascinating about the room Old Sins is that, like I had mentioned before, the first room game is just about solving puzzle boxes. Every level is kind of like this really intricate, ornate puzzle box. You can move around the puzzle box. You can look on top of it. You can look below it. There's like maybe little panels that open up. There's just like a bunch of stuff going on. And then the second and third room games become more about exploring the rooms themselves and, you know, going to this room, going to that room. And then the third one is whenever it, I mean, they basically get like a little bit bigger and a little bit more intricate with every game. But the room old sins, if you are a fan of the first room and maybe the second or third one was a little bit more overwhelming the new one old sins kind of dials it back a tiny bit because the entire game and i didn't realize this going in because it's kind of one of those games where you don't understand the full scope of it until you finish the game um this one it kind of all takes place in like a dollhouse so you have like you're in this kind of like musty attic and there's like a dollhouse on a table so the dollhouse kind of acts like a box from the first room. Like you can, you know, look around it. Maybe there's some open doors. Um, you know, there's some stuff going on. But as you solve puzzles on the dollhouse, certain rooms will open up and you can kind of like teleport into the room as if you're the size of a doll. And there's like, <clears throat> excuse me, there's like little puzzles in the rooms that you can solve, but it's not quite as big or intricate as... Um, as the room two or the room three, but it's still all self-contained within the dollhouse itself. Because when I started playing it, I wasn't sure if I was going to solve a dollhouse puzzle and then move to a completely separate room with a new thing, or if there was going to be a room that opened up down the hall with like another dollhouse or something. But no, this is all self-contained in the same dollhouse. And as you play, different rooms open up inside of it and you just kind of teleport in and out of them. And eventually you kind of like solve each room in the dollhouse. And then there's a little bit of extra stuff toward the end once you kind of get on like the, maybe like the epilogue or like the, the ramping up like finale portions of the game. Um, but I thought it was really, uh, it was kind of a pleasant surprise for me because it, took the i mean it's if you're familiar with the games it's the same formula it, the game feels just like the old ones but instead of it expanding into this bigger and bigger and bigger more elaborate thing it just dialed it back enough to where um you know i really 
I really enjoyed it because I don't have a problem with the game getting bigger and more elaborate and, you know, having more rooms and more stuff going on. But it was just nice, like, it's kind of like when you have a long-running series and it just gets bigger and more ridiculous. And then sometimes the series, they take that one game and they just really kind of, like, bring it back to the basics and, like, dial it in. It's very much how this felt for me. Um, I highly recommend The Room, Old Sins, if you're familiar with the old games and you like them. This is more of the same. If you played the first one and maybe the second and third ones were a little bit too much for you, this is definitely a great place to jump back in because it kind of dials it back a little bit. But I finished it and I still recommend this game highly upon completion. Excellent, excellent. I know we talked about it before and you did um, really intrigue me with what you said about it. I downloaded the original Room um, to my phone. I think it was funny. I mentioned that I had actually bought it and I never realized that I, I also <laughs> bought it, deleted it, never even tried it. So it's on my phone. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I look at it every day and I'm like, well, not today. Today's not your day, <laughs> but another day will be your day. So I guess just really quickly to follow up, um, the, the dollhouse thing sounds pretty interesting. And I know that the first, um, s- the first room is, uh, you know, mainly you said puzzle boxes. Um, but what happened with, um, the two in the middle, like two and three, did they turn like into like totally different games or how like what do you mean by them being bigger or how do they change from the original formula it's kind of like so like with the first one when you have just the puzzle boxes and there's nothing else going on the second and third ones are kind of more like it's it's almost like several puzzle box puzzle box i can't even say this puzzle box aspects in a bigger a bigger room and you kind of have to like go to one portion of the room and solve some stuff and then go to a different portion of the room and solve some stuff that coordinates with the first portion and then go to another portion of the room that solves some stuff. And by the time you get to the third game, you're kind of exploring maybe like a few rooms at once. And so, you know, you're in room number one, you're solving some stuff and then you have to backtrack to room number two and then room number three and then go back to room number one and maybe like use an item that you got in room number three to solve something in room number one. So they become bigger and more complex and a little more open-ended um but uh and i mean there's nothing wrong with that but they're just a little bit more complicated and you have like a lot more to explore at any given moment than you do just like looking at a single puzzle box or rotating around you know kind of a big dollhouse Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I, I mean, I just knowing my own preference, I'm not really the kind of person that likes to wander around an environment and try to put things together. I like to be more focused with what I'm doing in my, in my efforts. So it sounds like maybe like the first room and maybe the last one would be my jam. Maybe not so much with two and three, but I'll check them out. I mean, they sound interesting and I do kind of need something else to play on my phone. Um, I've kind of dialed it back on puzzle quest a little bit lately, still playing, but not nearly as hardcore as I used to be. So Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to do any, I don't want to do any puzzle quests right now. I need, I need like a plan B when I'm stuck at work or if I'm in a line or something. So maybe I will, uh, I will fire one of these up pretty soon. They sound, they sound interesting enough. How long would you say it took you to finish uh, Old Sins? Oh, man, I know the game gave me a time, a time after I finished it. Um, I can't remember though. It's only maybe like a few hours long. I want to say it was like two or three hours. It feels a lot longer because this is the perfect example of like for me, like a, I'm going to play this game for like 30 minutes before I go to sleep in bed kind of game. Like it's a good like winding down kind of game. Um, I want to say it was like two or three hours, but the way that I paced it out made it feel a little bit longer. And before we move on, um, one thing I thought about while you were talking about some of the games being or not being your jam is 
I'm actually not traditionally a puzzle person kind of game, but the hint system, and I think I talked about this the last time I talked about Old Sins, the hint system in um, in the room games is phenomenal. Like after, the game kind of like knows whenever you get stuck on something and whenever it kind of needs to give you a little hint and there's a question mark that pops up in the corner of the screen and if you tap it, it gives you a very general like surface level hint and it'll be like, for example, one might be like, oh, this item I picked up has the same, it looks like it's made of the same material as something in this room. And so it's kind of like nudging you to look in a certain room of like the dollhouse to try to like use the item or something. And then if you get stuck again, I think it does like three or four um, uh, hints where it kind of like very like slowly narrows down what you're supposed to do to the point where it almost tells you like exactly what to do. And so if you're like me and you're kind of dumb and puzzle games aren't your thing, the hint systems in these games are really great because they give you like a general hint and then they slowly get more specific as you get stuck on the same puzzle more. So they, they're really, um, really clever about the way they go about hints in the game. Well, that's good. That's good. Because if there's one thing I do not appreciate, especially on a phone game, it's being stuck. So I am not above asking for hints as long as I'm having fun, you know, like. I, we've talked about this before, but I'm past the point in my life where I really feel like the need to, like, prove myself or, like, I, you know, often these times, like, work is so stressful and life is so stressful that when I play games, I don't I don't often want to, like, work really hard at a game. I mean, if that makes sense. I mean, I, I'm sure that sounds kind of weird because I am no stranger to putting hard work into a game when it's when it's fun. But that kind of thing, like, if I'm just not getting it, man, I mean, I, you know, like we said many times before, if, if you're not on the same wavelength as the people designing the puzzles, that can be a very frustrating experience. So I'm glad that... Uh, they have taken taken that into account and given you lots of hints because I probably will use all of them. So. <laughs> all right, cool, cool, cool. Well, good. Okay, good. Glad that worked out. Why don't you? Uh, that was really quickie. Why don't you do another another one of your quick hits here, man? What else you got in your agenda? All right, if we want to do a real quick one. Um, so I played. I talked about Star Wars. Star. War, I cannot talk on this podcast. It's kind of a problem. Um, <laughs> Star Wars. I talked about Star Wars Battlefront Two probably a month ago or so. I was playing it. It was fine. wasn't great. wasn't bad. Very middle of the road shooter. Very beautiful. Um, keep in mind, I'm also not a big Star Wars fan. Um, Brad, ask me how much I've played it since I talked about it on the last show. Uh, Corey Motley, how much more of that game did you play since the last show? None of it. (laughs) (laughs) That was going to be my guess. That was going to be my guess. So you're talking about just the story mode, just for clarification, though. None of the multiplayer, just the story, right? Uh, Yes, uh, absolutely correct. It's just the story mode. Okay, so last time we talked, you, I mean, I don't think you were, you were like, what, halfway maybe or something? Like, I don't know. I don't think you were like near the end or anything, were you? Uh, yeah, definitely not near the end. Maybe it's kind of hard to tell how far along you are in the game, but if I had to guess, I would say maybe like 40% or so. Okay. So you, you talked about it a little bit. I remember you saying like, it was just okay. Um, I, I'm not surprised to hear that you didn't go back to it, but like in your <laughs> own words, dear sir, why did you not get, I assume you just sent it back to Gamefly or something, right? No, that's the sad thing. I actually still have it. I'm totally ah, bad. I know. Man. I always do this where I'm like, no, I'll go back and play it. And then I just keep it for like two months and I never send it back to Gamefly. Um, and well, part of the reason is because Patrick started playing the story mode um, 
So I was like, okay, like if he wants to play the story mode, I have no problem with like keeping it here so he can play it. And I actually think he might have gotten like one or two missions farther than me and then decided that he wasn't really feeling it, um, which I expected because it's not really his kind of game. Um, and I mean, it's like, honestly, there's nothing from a story perspective there's really, like, nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's not a bad game. It's not badly designed. It's not hard to play. It's just, like, I would probably only play it if I literally had, like, nothing else to play right now. And that's kind of not true. Because I finished, um, like, the big thing that pulled me away from it was I finished Soma to review. Because I, like, had to play Soma and finish it. And then, like... I got something else in the mail from Gamefly, which I'll talk about later. And, like, I started playing that. And, um, like, I had some friends over. And so I was showing them some games that I had. And, I mean, there's not really, like, anything wrong with Battlefront 2. It's, like, perfectly fine. It's just I don't feel the need or, like, the desire to go back and play any more of it. See, that is a that is a very real thing that's going on these days. Um, I don't... I was talking about this, almost this exact same topic on Twitter with someone, and we were talking about a game, and now that I'm talking about it with you, I don't even remember, like, what the game was, but it was, like, it was kind of exactly what you're saying, where it's, like, we were playing it, and it was fine, but, like, there are so many games out there today. There's literally, like, this infinite world of game experiences for you to have, and it is just not good enough to just be a fine game anymore. I mean, if you are not playing something that is, like, totally gripping you and like keeping you engrossed and you're so excited to get back to it there's no reason to put time into it i mean unless like i mean like you said unless for some reason that is like literally the only thing you have to play which i'm guessing most of the people who are in game twitter and are who are listening to the show or whatever i mean you know games are super cheap these days it's, it's not hard to get a bunch of games i mean i think probably most of us have too many games and i just there's just just making a game while i know that's a really hard thing probably beyond my skill set probably will never do that in my life I recognize that, but it's not enough to just make a game. Like it has to be a great game. And even when you do have a great game, there's like a bunch of other great games out there. And so it's gotta be like <laughs> a super great game, you know? So, I mean, I totally get it. Like, I mean, I'm sure that it was fine. Battlefront 2, I mean, it looked okay, but I mean, yeah, if it wasn't grabbing you, you've got like this, this infinite array of other things to get to. So I am not at all surprised that you dropped it. And I, yeah, I probably, I mean, I talked about maybe thinking about playing it for the story mode. I told, after you talked about it last time, I took it off my game queue. I'm like, nah, not even going to waste my time. I just do not even have that time. So don't blame you a bit, dude. Yeah, I need to just suck it up and send it back to Gamefly like tomorrow and then cross my fingers that they'll send me something good in return. Yeah, man. I mean, I hate to say it, but like we are not infinite beings and life is too short to play mediocre games. Like if there's just so many things out right now, if you're not loving it, you got to move on and do something else because you got to maximize your time on Earth. And that uh, Battlefront 2 is not going to win that war right now. So, <laughs> All right, let me jump in a little bit. I got a couple of just rando things to talk about as well. First off, uh, we didn't really talk about this at the time. I meant to talk about it. And if we had talked about it on that show, it would have been a very good fit with the topic. Because we were talking about uh, maintaining games that are going away. You know, we talked a couple shows ago about uh, what that, that museum that was in the legal battle with the ESA over who can maintain game servers and all that. You remember that discussion, right? Oh, yeah, totally. So um, very close to that period of time, I think it was actually the week before, uh, Demon Souls, not to bring up Souls again, because I know that's kind of a sore spot on the show. Uh, but Demon Souls was, I think, to me, probably my favorite out of the entire series. Um, debatable, but probably my favorite. Uh, they have had online servers ever since that game launched 
And uh, of course, uh, in true so many games fashion, I forgot to look up exactly when it launched, uh, so I don't have the exact number. Uh, I suck, sorry. But <laughs> the servers have been up like this entire time. I mean, there's been like four games in that series, and the original game servers still running. Every time they tried to shut them down, the fans just like were so vocal about no, 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 shut it down, keep it going because we still want to play this game. And it was only I think two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that that the servers finally closed down for good and people were posting pictures of like trying to go online and the error message would say cannot connect to server and they were like oh no porn went out for my homie demon souls is over so uh i'm i mean i guess uh i'm not sad because you can still play demon souls that's a wonderful game um i don't want to get caught up in the whole you know the the souls like orgiastic kind of looks like, you know, so over the top of praise that people usually do when they talk about the Souls games. But that was a, a very special game. I mean, it was like the first, uh, the first one that really kind of made itself known in America. Uh, I remember playing that pre-release and have, thinking it was just like an amazing experience. Um, I had a great time with it. And I think that game um, really pioneered a lot of the online stuff that we think of as normal these days, especially when you're talking about Souls, like where you, you, you have other people that show up in your game, maybe they'll attack you, maybe they'll help you. Or this kind of like ambient multiplayer stuff, which I think that FromSoft really should take credit for. Um, so that was really the first time when some of that stuff happened. So you can still play that game, though. I mean, you can still play the single player adventure. It still works. It still runs. I mean, a couple things will be different. You will not get like helpful messages from other people, uh, which is a little bit of a bummer, but, you know, not game breaking at all. Um, the only other thing that really made a big difference uh, is that uh, you will not be invaded by other people, which is probably a good thing because people who have been playing Demon Souls this whole time were basically unstoppable uh, people who played it 24-7, and there's, you know, if they showed up in your game, that was it for you. You were dead. So it's kind of fine that those guys are not around to, to like, troll you anymore. Uh, the only other thing that happened is one of the bosses in that game, very cool, very cool back in the day. What, the, what this was was you would show up to the boss room, and the game would randomly choose some other real person in the world, and that would be your boss. So, like, people were like, kind of really blown away when that happened the first time because you'd get there and then, like, it would be, like, loading, loading. You're like, what the fuck's going on? And then, like, some other person, like, a real person would be there and then they would be the person you had to fight to, like, to, to win that level. And sometimes you would, like, really overpower them if they were somebody that was not great. Or sometimes they would be, like, this, like, god-tier player who would smash you down. But it was it was bizarre and weird and out-of-the-box thinking. So it was really cool that that um, was a thing sadly that cannot happen anymore but that's you know it's probably fine i mean i don't know how many people these days were actually still getting that same experience um probably a lot more common when the game was new uh but very neat idea um really like that a lot but other than that i mean the entire game is still there the experience is still there you can still play it and i think it's a wonderful show of love and support from the fans that that game servers lasted as long as they did i mean that that's those servers were on like for years and years and every time every time they're going away now nah, they bring them back Ah, uh, they're going away. Nah, bring them back. They're going away. Nah, bring them back. Like it was, it was amazing how long those servers kept going. So I can't feel bad about it. I, I take it as a celebration of that game's greatness, and I, this had a wonderful run. And um, you know, I haven't played it myself in years, but I did have a great time in that game when I played it. And uh, you know, I I am definitely gonna pour one out for Demon Soul servers, and I hope that uh, <laughs> anybody else who's listening, you know, raise a glass to them. And if you never played it, go play it. You'll still get a really good experience. But uh, that was pretty phenomenal. Pretty phenomenal run. I wish I had something insightful to say in response to this, but I really don't. <laughs> no problem. We're going to move on because that's what we do on the So Video Games podcast. Um, not at all related to Demon Souls. I wanted to give a shout out to a listener 
And I don't think it's assuming too much to say friend of the show, Maya Sinclair. Uh, she heard our chat uh, about the Fall 2, our, uh, I don't know, our, our epic roasting of the Fall 2, because neither one of us <laughs> liked it that much. Um, she So after that show had aired, she had got on Twitter and said that she had a different viewpoint on the story beats. I felt very dissatisfied with the story. I didn't understand part of the story. I felt like it was not very well done. I mean, you were kind of the same way, right? You were skipping dialogue and you were not connecting with the story, were you? Uh, yeah, I was not really. Yeah. So she uh, was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to send you my thoughts on the game and maybe, you know, it's not going to make the game better for you, but at least you'll have a different perspective. And I said, okay, that's fine. Uh, Maya's very smart. I mean, I think I, uh, I've heard her on some of the, uh, duck feed network shows i believe like uh, i think she plays uh, dark souls and uh, a couple other things so smart smart cookie um so she finally got around to sending us her thoughts and it was pretty great like it was pretty great um the way that she explained the elements of the fall to um i don't want to get into like the whole thing but like it just made like a lot of sense like her explaining that shed a lot of light on it it totally made logical sense of what the game developer was trying to do with the game and although that really didn't connect with me or with you either, when she laid it out the way that she did, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I get, I get what he was going for. And thank you for sharing that with me because I totally did not get that. Um, but it just kind of made the game seem worse because what she was explaining to me sounded so much better than what was actually in the game. So, I mean, I appreciated that she shared that. I'm really, it really did give me a different perspective. Um, and it's, I told her at the end, you know, it's too bad that the developer didn't hire you because I think he would have done a better job writing for the game <laughs> than he did for himself. Um, so anyway, I don't want to get into all the details, but I mean, you can check my Twitter if you want to read about uh, that little chat we had a couple days ago. But anyway, big thanks to my Sinclair for taking the time to explain that. It was very much appreciated. And it really did give me um, another set of eyes on the fall, too. It, it, it does make it seem like even more of a sad game in retrospect, but still, I'm glad to have a deeper understanding of it, um, even if it didn't work for me. So thank you, my really, really appreciated. Thank you for taking the time. Um, Corey, let's jump back to you. What's next on your list, sir? Um, let's talk about... Okay, so let's talk about... Um, I think it was just last week that I was talking about the Resident Evil 7 DLC. Is that right? I believe so, yes. The swamp, the guy punching, the alligators, etc., etc. Yes, all of the above. So I finished it, and I just wanted to accumulate um, and, I guess, disseminate some final thoughts on it. So... I it's called the end of Zoe DLC for Resident Evil 7 and to my knowledge it is the final DLC pack for Resident Evil 7 I don't think they're putting anything out and if they do that would be great but um I think this is it and this is also paid DLC um as opposed to the not a hero DLC which was free um but in this one, you play as one of the main characters, the main bad guy, like his brother, and he punches. We talked about it on the show last time. He doesn't use weapons. He only, like, punches things. And uh, <clears throat> and I finished it. To my surprise, the DLC is only about an hour and a half long, and I was expecting it to be a little bit longer than that, especially because it is paid DLC. Like, I mean, I know that time is not always a great... Um, you know, like, factor of, like, oh, well, if I pay, it should be longer. Um, because, like, the Not A Hero DLC was free, and I think it was about the same length as uh, as End of Zoe. But um, now that I finished it, I do think it's pretty great. Um, I, whenever I was talking about it last week, I had mentioned that it is definitely, like, really silly, kind of. Like, it kind of dips back into the well of silliness from Resident Evil 6 and a little bit from 5. Um, because it's, like, you... 
as this like backwoods Louisiana dude like punching these like moldy zombie monster things and it's totally silly and you could do like stealth kills on them and everything but um, I'm not going to spoil the ending of it because that would be rude but I will say that at one point in the game you get this like futuristic like gauntlet thing that you put on your arm and it like gives you like iron man punches it's so silly but it's kind of in like a great way where you can basically just like charge up there's like three levels of charging for your punch and you can like charge it up to like level one two or three and then you like unleash this like devastating punch that can kill um just like normal enemies in one hit if you punch them in the head and i mean i like even before that i thought this dlc was kind of already like being a little silly and then once i got that i was like oh my god we're all in now like this is totally ridiculous um but now that i finished it i do think it is actually a pretty good slice of dlc i think that um capcom is doing a really good job with supporting resident evil 7 because they've released the banned footage dlcs and i believe both of those had a very small um like story focused DLC chapter. And then they both had like a mini game that was attached one or two mini games that are attached as well. And then the not a hero DLC is, um, a character. I don't want to spoil it, but it's a character uh, toward the end of the game that shows up, um, his own DLC and kind of the twist with not a hero is that it's a lot more gun focused. Like you have a, like a, an assault rifle and you have like a really good pistol, but they do it in a way where you still don't feel totally capable like it's still you still feel like you can get overwhelmed you still feel kind of scared and you're still in a situation where um you don't feel safe despite having better weapons and in the end of zoe dlc even though you're like punching everything and you can like block and it seems really silly uh i mean they do actually pull off some pretty scary stuff in the in the end of zoe dlc in some pretty intense uh situations where um, it just, like, offsets it in a way where I play it and I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, this isn't going to be scary because it's, like, so stupid because you're just, like, running around punching monsters. But they, the fact that they do, like, wedge the scary stuff in, um, they do it in a way where be- maybe because it's so unexpected, it actually ended up being kind of intense and kind of scary. Um, so I guess at the end of the spiel, it's basically just my reminder that, hey, if you played Resident Evil 7 and you were interested in any of the DLC, um, the Naughty Hero free DLC and End of Zoe are definitely good. I would recommend both of them, and I think that um, that it's good stuff and that Capcom, uh, good on Capcom for continually supporting their game. Oh, well, that sounds good. That is good. I still haven't gotten to Resident Evil 7 yet, but uh, I plan to, and I would if and when I play that, I will definitely play this because I'm I definitely want to punch some gators and have an Iron Man <laughs> gauntlet on. I mean that sounds like a good time to me. Um, just to kind of <clears throat> just to kind of get behind the curtain of the So Video Games podcast. As you were talking about uh, the beginning of this segment when you started talking about End of Zoe, you said the well of silliness and like you totally sent me like spiraling down this little fantasy I had just in a moment of like some dude like walking through a desert really dry and it was on this quest and like at the end of this long mountain path he finds like the well of silliness and i'm like oh he's <laughs> maybe he's from a land where no one laughs and it's all gray and he finds this sorry it's just stupid i just you know that's what happens that's what happens when we record like you well, know, that's, one of that's what capcom did because whenever they published resident evil 4 they were at the oasis in the middle of the desert <laughs> and it was so abundant and beautiful and it had so much energy and then they walked away from the oasis and 
they put out Resident Evil 5, which, like, I really like Resident Evil 5, but I understand that it's kind of silly and a lot of people don't like it. And then they got to Resident Evil 6, and they were just right in the middle of the desert with no more good ideas, and it was really silly. And then they stumbled upon the well, and they just drank all of the silly well water and put it into Resident <laughs> Evil 6. <laughs> I totally appreciate that you were able to take my stupid idea and build on that. So that's, <laughs> that is some good team podcasting right there. Way to, way to have my back, dude. I appreciate it. Uh, well, that sounds good. I will definitely, I, I will maybe definitely sometimes perhaps get to that game <laughs> at some point when I work up the spine. Um, let's move <laughs> Let's move on really quickly. You brought up, uh, I see Hellblades on the agenda. Let's talk about Hellblade. I haven't gotten to it yet. So don't um, spoil anything, but I'm assuming that you went through the rest of it and have some final thoughts, or what, what do you got to say about Hellblade? I have not gone through the rest of it. I This is kind of like a Battlefront 2 situation. Oh. I've actually, I've played it for maybe about 30 more minutes since the last time we talked about it, and... I, I kind of, like, I've talked about this on the show a few times where I kind of made the mistake of playing this game the other night whenever I was kind of tired and I wasn't really focused very well. And that sometimes happens where, like, I'll be playing a game and I'll be kind of, like, falling asleep while playing it. So I didn't give, like, the last segment of the game its its due, um, like, like, the justice it deserved, I guess. Um, but the more I play this game, the less interested I become in it. And it's kind of like a Battlefront 2 thing because the game is not bad. It's not a bad game. It's not, it's, uh, I mean, some of it is kind of irritatingly designed. Like some of the puzzle stuff is not super duper designed to my liking, but it's not like broken or terrible or anything. But I just don't really feel like playing it and like whenever i started playing it the other night i got to a new like i went through a section that was pretty like narratively focused and then i got to another section that kind of like you're in this like swampy area that has kind of like a puzzle thing you have to solve and i kind of like couldn't figure out what the game wanted me to do and i can't figure out because i haven't tried it again i can't figure out if it's one of those situations where I was just tired and not paying attention and I was just being an idiot and like the obvious answer is right there and I just wasn't very alert for it. Or if it's one of those situations where I had taken so much time off from the game that when I got back into it, I couldn't remember exactly like how to play the game or what the game, you know, like things that the game had wanted me to do before. Totally, totally. So, I mean, that's part of my problem. And the other kind of minor problem that I have with this game, and I've actually been trying to think about how I want to say this for the past, like, day or two, because I feel like when I say this, it's going to sound really insensitive. And I don't mean it to be insensitive, but um, there's really no way for me to say it other than just to say it. Like, there's there's this idea in the game about... I mean, the main character, Sinua, she has a lot of mental illness issues she has maybe depression or anxiety or something and the game talks a lot about how she has like this dark place in her mind and she visits this dark place and uh, and stuff like that all these voices in her head that are kind of uh, taunting her and pulling her in different directions and something that kind of uh, like I don't want to say annoys me because it doesn't annoy me but just something that I maybe wasn't expecting about the game is that The game sort of, and maybe it goes in a different direction toward the end, because obviously I haven't finished it yet, but the whole game is kind of set up 
into a situation where it's ending up being kind of a love story about her and her, like, I don't know if it's her ex-boyfriend or if it's her ex-husband. I can't remember if the game has established, like, if they were, like, joined in a union or not. But there's, like, several times in the game where she will, like, she's going on this journey kind of for him, and I don't know if she, like, can get reunited with him or something. And there's sections where she'll think about him and you know, she'll get happy or she'll be able to overcome the darkness that's around her or a situation like that. And, like, I don't want it to sound like when I say this that, you know, like having a husband or a wife or a partner or someone that brings you joy is a bad thing because obviously that's not a bad thing. And I feel like people with uh, mental health disorders, they often, you know, they need support systems. If you have I mean, even if you don't have any mental disorders, having a support system, unless you're just a total loner, uh, you know, makes your life a lot easier. But I, I was, I'm kind of disappointed that the game is going this route where it's like, she kind of like is seeking the like love of a man to continue her journey. Like, and I mean, I sound, I feel like I sound terrible saying that, but no, I, kind dude, I, to- of- I totally get you. I totally get you exactly what you're saying. Like it, instead of her like standing up and finding the inner strength, it's kind of like, I need this other person to complete me or to be strong. Is it? Is yeah. Kind of what you're yeah. Yeah. And like, I wasn't expecting that going into the game, but it just kind of keeps happening over and over again where she'll be like, have an inner monologue about how they met or about how she loves him or about how they got separated. And she keeps like, um, you know, using his memory to really strengthen herself. And I understand that that's, that's, you know, a real thing that people do, but I kind of wish that it were a game about her being on this journey for herself and with herself and being able to overcome her situations like on her own without like needing a man, you know, I kind of, it's kind of like a, like a meme where it's like, Oh, like I don't need no man. Like I'm an independent woman. Like I wish that kind of like that were her, but I also by the same token understand that, you know, feminism does not exist without masculinity in the environment as well. And it's not like, I mean, it's like a, you know, people think that feminists are like man hating bra burners. And like, it's not that like, you know, masculinity and femininity exist within, you know, the same place. And they, you know, they should be balanced in a way or recognized in a way. And so like, it's kind of rude of me to feel this way about the game, but I'm just like kind of slightly disappointed that the game kind of keeps returning to like a, situation where she's sort of like needs the approval and like the memory of a man to continue on her journey. No, that makes sense. I mean, I don't, I have not played this game yet, so I can't say with any, um, you know, knowledge of what is actually covered in the script or anything, but from what you're describing, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have expected that either. I mean, just from what, what little I knew, I totally thought it would be about her overcoming her, I mean, I guess mental illness or whatever. I mean, that's kind of how I've heard described again. I can't play. I mean, I, I haven't played it, so I can't say, but I mean, that's kind of what I expected. So to hear that she's kind of um, needing this other thing in order to to get better or to get to the end of her journey. I mean, I mean, I don't know. But it's from what you're describing, it does sound like slightly disappointing. Um, I'll have to play it. I did buy it, and I keep meaning to get to it, but I just keep putting it on the back burner. But uh, yeah, that's not that's not an element I was expecting by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I hope that. Um, I mean, you don't have to like rearrange your whole life to get to it anytime soon but once you get to it i'll be really interested to see what you think about it and sort of like how um like how it bounces off of you because i i mean obviously this is our podcast and that's what we talk about but i i'm interested to see what you think of it and if you 
um, I don't know, have a better time with it than I did. Because, again, the game's not terrible or anything. It's just, like, certain things about it are kind of bouncing off me in the wrong way. And I just would like to know what you think about them when you get around to it. All right. We'll do. We'll definitely. I will definitely try to get to it this year. Um, and, uh, yeah, so maybe in... I can only give you like a, like a nine month window. I can't, you know, <laughs> nail it down any closer than that. But when I get to it, I will definitely uh, bring it back up. We'll talk about it. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, let's see. I got a couple a couple of quickies to throw out myself uh, since we're just cleaning house here. Oh, you know, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Just last night, I ended up finishing uh, Monster Hunter World, wrapped up the story mode in that. Uh, that was uh, a bit of an achievement. Um <laughs> Good game. I mean, I talked about it before on the show. I remember I talked about it feeling kind of lukewarm at first, and then I kind of warmed up to it as, as time went on. I got to say, it was kind of a, a strange experience for me. Um, maybe more so for me because I'm a series veteran and I've played like literally every other game that's ever come to America before, and I've basically finished all of them. So um, I definitely know a lot about the series, and I definitely have my preferences, and I know what the, the game has looked like in the past as compared to what it looks like now. So, I mean, definitely a lot of changes and most of them are, are, are for the better, but some of them just kind of strike me as odd. Um, I did definitely like it more as time went on. It really grew on me. Not to say that it was a bad game at first, but some of the changes just were kind of weird. And some of the, the rough edges of the game, especially um, connected with playing with your friends, it didn't really happen as smoothly as I would like it to have done. Also, um, some of the progressions seemed kind of weird. And they were just little random bits. I mean, I don't want to get like too in the weeds, but like... The way that the armor system works, I mean, for people, I mean, I'm sure most people know, but for those that don't know, when you play Monster Hunter, uh, you know, third world, uh, thir third, no, it is, I'm sorry, <laughs> it is not a third world game, I don't know what that would even be, <laughs> a third person, excuse me, third person game, real time action, and you fight big monsters, and you kill the monsters, and then you take the bits from the monsters that you carve off, and then you make armor and weapons, I mean, that's like, that. that is the core loop of the game, you kill a monster, get his bits, you make better stuff, you kill a bigger monster, get you get those bits. bits. <laughs> That's exactly what this game is. Um, so they kind of changed that a little bit. They 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 changed the emphasis of like how the weapons work and they changed how the armor works. I mean, I, you know, just as a kind of a brief example, like in the past, it was always the most important thing to make a complete suit of armor out of the monster that you got. Like if you were fighting a certain guy, like let's say, for example, fighting a big dragon, you would want to kill that dragon enough times that so that you would have enough parts to make an entire suit of armor for yourself, which would be like helmet, chest piece, arms, waist guard, and then like leggings. So you would need, you know, if you would not be able to make enough of the armor just by killing him one time. You'd have to kill him like a couple times. And sometimes maybe some of those pieces would be a little bit rare. So you might have to kill him a couple more times. And then you finally get enough. You make the whole armor. And the, the value of that armor was that you would have um, some kind of special ability associated with that. So like when you got the armor complete, then it would be like, oh, I'm hitting like way more damage with my sword because this armor is complete now. Or I would have a fire attribute to my weapon or, you know, like I would have quicker life regain or something like that. This time around, they really kind of changed that. And there's not really any benefit to making whole suits of armor anymore, which really was kind of like mind blowing to me as a series veteran. I mean, you can still do it and it, you know, it looks OK if you like the way that the game looks. I'm not really I'm not on board with um, the art style this time around. I know I mentioned it before, but it seems a little bit too medieval European to me. It's not quite as um, fancy. They kind of lost some of the humor in some of the designs. Uh, it looks a little bit boring to me, which is fine. I mean, it's still good enough. Um, but 
like you don't really get the same benefit from making whole suits of armor. So instead, like it kind of took me a while to realize, like you should only be making very specific pieces. Like maybe I want the leggings from this one dragon, but I want the waist piece from this other fish guy. And then I want the helmet from this bug. I mean, so that was kind of a different, um, different way of going about it. I mean, you did that in the past games, but that was usually relegated to like being like really, really like end game stuff but it came into play a lot earlier in the campaign. And so that was kind of weird. Just, I didn't really feel the pull to kill as many monsters and make as much armor as I probably would have in the past. I mean, I would always be like, gotta make one of every weapon, gotta make one of every armor. That's just what you do, you just make them all. And I'm like, there just really wasn't a point to it this time. So that was kind of weird. Also kind of disappointed with the weapons too, because one thing that's always been really cool about Monster Hunter is like making the character your own. I mean, doing fashion, uh, fashion Monster Hunter is always a big thing. And like in the past, you would make these weird weapons. Like there would be like an ax that looked like a guitar or you would have a sword that looked like a giant tuna or you'd have, you know, a, <laughs> like a, you know, like there'd be like a, a gun and it looked like a cannon or, you know, like it would look very dis visually distinct. Like you would look at it or you'd play multiplayer and you'd see some dude walking up. You'd be like, whoa, what is that? What's he wearing? Where, oh, where do you get that sword? Oh, that looks badass. Like it just looks amazing, right? Um, that just didn't really come into play this time around i saw so many people wearing the exact same setups and a lot of the weapons just looked this like literally looked the same like if uh you made a gun that shot fire bullets it looked exactly the same as the gun that shot water bullets and it looked exactly the same as the gun that shot lightning bullets whereas that was just not the case before like you know they would look like wildly different in the past and it gave you a reason to like collect more of those things so that was kind of a bummer um but overall, I mean, I still really enjoyed it. I mean, I put like 95 hours into it. So that's a pretty significant uh, investment of time, especially with my busy schedule. And uh, I played a lot with the wife. I played a lot with um, Darren Foreman and owner of uh, Game Critics Chi Kong Lu. And I played with a couple other people. Uh, and that was a good time. That was a good time. Um, I probably will still be picking away at it. There's a couple DLC quests that are coming that look kind of interesting. They'll be introducing some new monsters. There's a couple rare pieces of armor that you can go after that are not really too much effort to pick up some of those. Um, so I'll probably do some of those things and I'll just, uh, you know, I'll nibble at it here and there, but I don't think that I'm going to be like diving into the end game and trying to grind like the, the end game weapons and the, the best armor. And I'm just like, eh, I just, uh, this doesn't really seem like worth the effort this time around, but, uh, I mean, not to shit on this game. I feel like this is the second time I'm shitting all over this game. But I mean, it is it is a really good game, and I did enjoy it. 95 hours in, happy to happy to say that I finished it, still playing it. But I'm I you know if I put it down now and didn't come back to it, I I would feel okay with that. Like I would feel satisfied, and uh, I would feel okay leaving it as it is. So, uh, yeah. But uh, there you go, Monster Hunter World. Um, yeah, I don't know any questions. I mean, I don't know. Kind of dropped it there. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, my bad. I should have set you up a little bit better, but I kind of just stopped talking. So <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't really have a ton to say about Monster Hunter. I guess I do have one comment and then one brief follow up question. And my comment is, um, even though I tried the beta for Monster Hunter and I wasn't interested in it, I mean, I was able to make peace with that in the sense that I thought I maybe this game wouldn't be my bag, and then it ended up not really being my bag. But I have to say, um, every time I log into the PlayStation Four. Um, Monster Hunter World is the first game in a long time where I log in on the PS4 and almost everyone on my friends list is playing it all at the same time. And I haven't, like, I mean, it's not friends that I would play online games with, so I'm not, like, mad that they're all, like, playing it without me or something. But, like, it's just rare to log in and see, like, 
you know, like five, six, seven people all at once, like playing the exact same game, because I didn't think that it would have that big of an impact among the people that I'm friends with on PS4. But I'm definitely excited and I'm glad that the game has been financially successful and that it's been uh, kind of a, seems like kind of a home run. Um, my question is I noticed that I think I saw on the internets like yesterday or the day before that they have started doing what, whatever like quests or stuff you have to do in order to play as Aloy in it. Um, do you know anything about that or do you plan on like getting her or doing whatever you have to do to play as her? Yeah, um, so Capcom has a long history of supporting um, all of their Monster Hunter games long after release. I mean, they, they generally support each iteration for at least like a solid year. And that's just like new stuff every month, like just constant new stuff rolling in to keep you guys, uh, to keep everybody into it. That holds true here as well. And this is a special uh, collaboration they did with Sony. Um, so I think it's pretty obvious to see that the PS4 is a lead platform for this game. Uh, so yeah, you can get um, special armor for your cat, which makes you look like one of the makes your cat look like one of the monsters from um, Horizon Zero Dawn. You can get the Aloy armor. It's not. It's. I mean, it, it, it is armor, but it also makes you absolutely one hundred percent look just like Aloy. So even though it's technically a helmet in the game, like as in the sense that you have to equip it, um, but it just it makes you look exactly like her from the game. Um, so it's they took her character model and then gave her some attributes that match up with um, Monster Hunter. And you can also make her bow, her one of the bows from uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. So you have to take on a special quest. It's time limited, but they said that they're going to rotate it in and out. So if you miss it this time, uh, apparently it'll be available in a, a couple months from now and, you know, give new, newcomers a chance to pick up that stuff. But you go fight a special dinosaur, you kill him a couple times, you get a couple of his pieces, take it back to the, the workshop, and you can craft that armor. And it makes you look exactly like Aloy, and you've got her armor and uh, her bow, and then you can have this little cat that looks just like one of the monsters. So Horizon Zero Dawn was not my jam. Didn't enjoy that game very much, but I appreciate fun little crossovers like this. I'm only like one piece away from making the Aloy armor, so if I I could probably like make it in 15 minutes if I sat down and just got back to it, but I haven't got back to it yet. But yeah, it's pretty fun. I enjoy that crossover. There's also, I don't know if you saw it or not, but there's a crossover where you can make a suit of armor that makes you look exactly like Ryu from Street Fighter Four. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. Yeah, you look literally 100% just like like the character model from Street Fighter 4 has been ripped out and put into Monster Hunter. <laughs> and there's also some emotes that you do that make him do uh, a dragon punch or he throws a fireball. And it does like, you know, like one point of damage. It's not really like an attack <laughs> or anything, but it's something fun you can do. So that was really fun. I got the Ryu armor and that was really nice. It's also cool because when you're doing that mission, it brings in the Street Fighter music. And I mean, nothing, nothing against Monster Hunter, but like when the Street Fighter music played, I'm like, oh, it's getting me pumped. Like it's all high energy. <laughs> Got me like got the adrenaline going. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. High energy, you know. Um, a little bit better than some of the ambient stuff that happens in Monster Hunter. Just you know, personal taste, whatever. So, um, I do want to. I do want to ask you though, Corey. Um, have you thought about giving it a second shot? Because I don't think we ever like you and I never played together, did we? We did not, because you tried the beta the first time it was out, and I tried it the second time it was out. Right, right, right. Okay, so we never actually played together, and with you seeing all your friends on PS4, has there any, been at all any kind of, like, second-guessing, or maybe, oh, maybe you should give it a shot, or anything like that at all? Not really. I mean, I I understand that whenever I played the beta, I only played through, like, one mission, and I only tried, like, one weapon, and I know that was kind of my downfall, because I thought that that would be... Um, like indicative of how the whole game would feel but then you cleared up uh that those thoughts when we talked about it because you know the different weapons make the game feel different or they have different um you know attack timing and stuff like that but 
I mean, knowing my gaming habits, I can barely get like a two hour game finished every week to talk about on the show. And I just don't think that there's time in my life to jump into something this big. If I'm not going to like really enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Cool. 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 Um, speaking of other, uh, life, life taking over time sinks. I didn't say that properly, but I think you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm still playing darkest dungeon. I know we talked about this a while ago, playing it on the switch and, uh, I, my intention was to play it like one or two hours a night, um, like in bed because it was portable. So I could like, you know, just grab it, bring it with me. And it's a little small on the screen, but I'm like, well, that's okay. I'll just squint a little bit or I'll hold it like one inch from my face and I can see what's <laughs> going on and play. And man, that I've been putting so much time in a darkest dungeon. It's fucking ridiculous, dude. I, uh, I still think the screen is, is a little bit too small for what's going on, on the switch, but it's, you know, you can get by it's fine. And I think that the portability definitely makes up for it because it looks sharp and big and beautiful on the PS4, but I just I just don't have enough time to sit in front of my console to like you know get some missions in. So I think the portability really did like put it over the top for me, and I think that this game is very um, very good fit for portable play. Um, so I've been putting a lot of time into it, and in fact I've gotten kind of not obsessed with it, but like I've you know I said before I've bought this fucking game like literally four times I've bought this game. <laughs> I've never finished it, and I want to finish it. I love this game. I love the systems. I love the combat. I love the art style. I love everything about it. It's just balls fucking hard. And I just have not had the time or the effort to like finish it. Right. So like they've got the new easy mode in. I've given myself every advantage. It's still really hard, but I've done like put it on the easiest possible mode. I've got it on the switch so I can take it with me or I can play it in bed. And I'm just like putting some time into it. And it got to the point last night or a couple nights ago where I'm like, all right, fine. I'm going to, I got to get serious about this. I'm going to open up a text document on my phone. I'm going to put in some tips, like some little strategies. I'm going to get to the, the wiki. I'm going to look up on the wiki. I got like a little spreadsheet going about which characters have which powers and which powers are working in which area. And I'm like, all right, I'm going all in, going all in this time. I'm going to do it. I'm going to fucking finish this goddamn game because I love it. Like, and I mean, playing this game sometimes actually feels like going through hell sometimes, but it's like, I like it so much and I respect it so much that I really want to feel like I did the whole thing. Like I got the experience. I saw it through to the end. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, you know, you played it for 10 hours and you liked it and you can, you know, that's good. That's a good experience. You can walk away. But like, I'm not built like that, man. Like if I really love a game, I got to roll credits on it. I got to finish it. I mean, I don't have to do like 100% find all the secrets and all. I don't platinum games or anything or get all the trophies. But like, I want to I want to finish a game and say that I, I took the time. I learned the systems. I put in the effort and I just, you know, I got the most out of it that I could. And I really want to finish the game like so bad, dude. Um. I'm making a lot of progress. Like I said, I got my spreadsheets. I got my notes. I'm hitting the wiki sometimes. I'm really like, you know, researching things. I'm learning about the game, new things that I didn't know before and just, you know, new, new approaches to things. And it's like a lot of work and I don't put this much work out for just any game. That is for sure. But I, I really enjoy Darkest Dungeon a lot. I think it's a really special game. And um, I think the portability is really what's going to make it go the distance this time because I can play it in places where ordinarily I wouldn't be playing a game at all. And so that way it doesn't feel like I'm taking that time away from another game. So that in my, in my head, that kind of makes it like more doable, if that makes any sense. Like instead of me sitting down and, you know, like I don't have to say, oh, I can play Darkest Dungeon and grind dungeons for an hour, or I can play the review game for Game Breaks that I should be playing. And I should have had done two weeks ago. 
<laughs> instead, I can be like, play the review game, and then when I go to bed, and I'll just, instead of sleeping, which is kind of a big problem also, but <laughs> <laughs> instead of sleeping, I'll just be like, okay, well, I wouldn't be playing a game otherwise, so I can definitely put an hour towards Darkest Dungeon here, and that's fine. Uh, and I'm really fucking tired, but other than that, um, I'm just, man, I, just, uh, I really want to finish this game. Like, it's become like kind of like my life's goal to like finish this fucking game, dude. So working on it, working, working, working on it. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, Thanks, thanks to the Switch. I feel like it's going to happen this time. <laughs> Brad Galloway, who has to buy a game four times in order to finish it once. Oh, maybe. Hopefully finish it once, dude. Hopefully. <laughs> um, let me just talk about the one more thing on the Switch real quick. Uh, this is kind of a quick hit. I was going to talk a little bit more about this in depth, but I ended up not putting as much time into it as I wanted to. But I will mention it really quickly. It's called membrane on the switch have you heard anything about this game i'm guessing probably not literally nothing okay not a surprise it is a very small indie game i'm thinking it's only made by like one or two people um it's about i mean i again again i love the switch i love the indie selection on switch the indie selection is choice it's so good there's so much (laughs) good indie stuff on the switch right now this is one of those that i probably would never have encountered any other way it's a little experimental title and it was recommended to me uh, by our good friend uh, Trashylvania, formerly known as Cheap Boss Attack on Twitter. Um, so he was saying that this was a good thing to get into, and I trust his judgment. He's got a pretty good taste most times. Uh, so I picked it up, and I'm, I'm kind of digging it. It's kind of hard to describe. You basically play as a little dude who's got like a triangle for a head and two little feet. So he kind of looks like a little mini version of like Pyramid Head from Silent Hill. Um, but not quite, not nearly as scary. Uh, way more goofy and cute. Um, But what he does is he shoots out little blocks, tiny little blocks, and they stick to each other in the environment. So this is kind of one of those like little experimental physics kind of do-it-yourself games where you'll start in the corner of a room and then like in another part of the room would be like the exit and you got to figure out how to get up there. And so what you do is you spit these little blocks out and you try, you know, you try to make stairs for yourself or you try to make a ladder or you try to make, I don't know, something to climb up on top of or you can shoot the blocks underneath your feet and it'll like kind of push you up like you're standing on top of a bean sprout as it's growing up. Um, so like you just kind of sh- run around and jump and shoot things and physics come into play. So if you make like a real wobbly stack of blocks, like it'll fall over or like when you jump on top of something, it'll factor your weight in. So maybe it'll hold you, maybe it won't. Um, and you kind of just like mess around with it that way. It's pretty simple, but I'm interested in it. I really like it so far. Uh, the graphics are very basic, but in a cute way. And I would actually have more to say about it, except for I got stuck. And this is one thing that I kind of took issue with the game for. Uh, So it happens that when you shoot these blocks out, you cannot destroy them. And I was getting myself into the this trap where I would try to build a ladder or build steps or something. And I would fuck it up, but I would, you know, put a block in the wrong place or something. And I would be stuck. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to progress because I was trapped underneath my own blocks and I couldn't get out. So I was like resetting levels and resetting levels. And then there was this one enemy that I couldn't kill and I didn't know what was going on. Just kind of got frustrated a little bit. So I put it down, talked to the I talked to Cheap Boss Attack on Twitter, and then he put me in touch with the developer of the game. And the developer's like, oh, well, you're shooting red blocks and just shoot the yellow block and you should be able to get that thing. And I'm like yellow block what are you talking about he's like oh yeah it's if you push this one button it's a yellow block instead of a red block and i've been shooting red blocks the building blocks this whole time and i'm like do i need to get a power up what are you what are you talking about yellow block he's like no you just push like x or something and i'm like (laughs) i'm like whoa 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 back it up dude back it the fuck up because (laughs) 
apparently, I haven't gone back to check this, but apparently in the tutorial, it tells you to push a button and apparently that's where you learn that you have a yellow block. But for some reason, I did not push that button and I pushed the red button um, and got red blocks and I was able to finish the level. So the problem that I'm having here, and I think this is like a larger discussion point with indie devs and just game design in general. And please, if you disagree, please let me know. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you're designing a tutorial, which is, which is, I mean, by definition, designed to teach someone how to play your game, you should not let a person be able to complete a level unless they are doing the lesson that you want them to learn. So somehow in the level where I was supposed to find out that I had yellow blocks that, that uh, destroy red blocks, I did not use yellow blocks. I just used more red blocks and I finished the level. So I never learned the lesson that I actually had yellow blocks. Therefore, I played like a big chunk of the game without even knowing I had this other power that I was supposed to use. And that was eventually what got me stuck was because I couldn't progress without the yellow blocks, which I should have been using for hours. So I, I, I kind of got a little salty about it because I'm like, I mean, yeah, maybe I didn't figure that out. But from a game design perspective, you should you should assume that people are going to be idiots when they play your game and you should make it idiot proof. If you have something that you need them to learn, for example, you've got two different colors of blocks, you need to make it impossible for them to finish that level until they learn that lesson. That's how tutorials work. And so it totally blew me away that I was able to get through that tutorial without learning the information I was supposed to learn. And it really kind of, you know, it kind of um, put me on a different path and eventually got me really frustrated and, and, and tied up with that. But I, I just was like, man, I mean, doesn't that make sense to you? Like you shouldn't finish the tutorial if you didn't learn the lesson. That's like literally the definition of a tutorial. Thank you. Thank you. So I was like, I got, I got a little pissed off about it. I didn't say anything <laughs> to the developer and I didn't, you know, I didn't get mad. I just was like, in my head, I was thinking, okay, you don't know how to make a tutorial because I got through your tutorial without learning the information. I'm not saying I'm a genius and I'm saying, yeah, maybe I'm, you know, more dumb than the average person who plays your game or whatever, but like, assume that I'm stupid and teach me what I need to know. And it's your job. Like if you were, if I was a game developer, I would assume I need to teach you how to run and jump and do all these things. And if you already know them and you, and you get through the tutorial really fast, great. But if you don't know, you got to be taught. And I feel like I was not taught. And so I, I got a little salty about it, but I do <laughs> like the game. I will come back to it. I'll probably have more to talk about later on. But I did want to mention that other than that thing about not knowing about the yellow blocks, I really did enjoy it. And I think it was like five bucks or something. I felt like that was a good investment for the Switch if you like indies. So um, learn from my lesson. Check this game out. You do have yellow blocks from the get-go discover whatever button that is and then use that in your gameplay. But um, so far liking it, uh, sad that I got stuck and mad, but I'll come back to it when I calm down and it's fine. So membrane, <laughs> digging it, digging it um, apart from that. So looking at the list of topics we've got left here, I want to hear about your game in a second. I've got one more to talk about too, but before we get to that, just really, really quickly, uh, you, I don't know when we're going to talk about it, if we're going to talk about it, but the plan was to, have both of us download Elder Scrolls Online, correct? Uh, I reckon so. I know that I was forcing you to do this. I was twisting your arm. Um, I I uh, was contacted by PR, and they wanted us to talk about this on the show. So I felt like, oh, okay, well, cool. If they are listening to the show and they're fans or they want us to talk about it, how can, how can I possibly say no? So I know I'm twisting I your arm. I can tell you how you can say no. Yeah, I know, I know you can say no. I... <laughs> Um, so I, I literally just finished downloading it like 15 minutes ago. I started downloading it. Today is Tuesday. 
I started downloading it like on Saturday. So that was <laughs> that that's, that was a significant time investment for me. Did it take you that long to download yours? Uh, I don't know because I had I actually need to turn my Xbox One back on because I had started downloading it and then I think I let the Xbox One sit for so long that it turned itself off and I'm not sure if it kept downloading after that or if I need to turn it back on and see where it's uh, like where it's at right now. Okay, so I, I mean, full disclosure, I did have to turn off the download a few times during the day because when games are downloading at my house, nothing else downloads and, you know, I got to be on the computer, do some work, email, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not like it was running, like, for the last, you know, five days nonstop, but I mean, <laughs> it was like pretty much overnight every night and a bunch of stuff was downloading and it literally, literally just before we recorded finished. So I haven't scratched it. Uh, I, I will twist your arm some more. I'll get you to play, play with me possibly. We'll do some co-op or something. We'll talk about it in the future but we are set right uh yes okay i talked about it on the show that makes it real that way we're going to eventually get to it at some point sure (laughs) all right so i just want to clarify that just so everybody knows who's listening so we can peel back the curtain again brad dms me on twitter and he's like hey um the developers of Elder Scrolls Online like sent us codes for this specifically to talk about on the show, like without us asking. And my literal response back to Brad was, "I would rather die than play Elder Scrolls Online." <laughs> <laughs> Corey is making the ultimate sacrifice for the show and for you, dear listeners. <laughs> Yes. And then I told Patrick like a few days after I was like, oh, I was like, listen to this. Like the like they sent us some Elder Scrolls codes to play on the show. And Patrick was like, yeah, I already bought that and have it on PS4. And I was like, oh, so like I technically could have already played it. But now because they gave us Xbox One codes. But uh, I apparently we've had it on our family PlayStation 4 for like a while now. And I didn't even realize it. Oh, did he have anything to say about it? He did not, but I didn't press him for info on it. Okay, cool. We'll check in with Patrick, I guess, at some point, and then we will check in with uh, each other <laughs> when we kind of get around to it. But uh, that's that's upcoming. You can look forward to that, folks. But now um, we're getting to the end of our topics. Uh, I'm going to turn it back over to you, uh, Corey. A game that I've never heard of. I didn't realize anybody had ever made a game about a little-known uh, zebra-like animal, which is pretty rare these days. Okapi HD. I want to hear all about this. <laughs> You son of a bitch. (laughs) I'll tell you what happened. I was at work and I was typing that email to you or that message to you on my work computer and my work computer, much like an iPhone, it autocorrects words. And of course, that is the closest thing to what I was trying to type. And I didn't realize it because I was about to leave for a meeting and I had to like send you the message quickly and I didn't read over it again. And then whenever you messaged me back, I had like no clue what you were talking about. And then I reread my old message and I was like, oh, okay, I see what happened here. Yeah, I sent Corey a picture of an actual Okapi, which I thought was amazing because I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, number one, it's so amazing that like iPhone would autocorrect to an Okapi because how often does Okapi <laughs> come up in your daily? How often do you say that? How is it even in your lexicon, right? I literally did not know the animal existed until you sent me a picture of it. <laughs> I had no idea what it was. <laughs> well, now we know. More learning happening on the Soviet Games podcast. The Okapi is a thing. But actually... I'm just pulling your leg, dude. It's not Okapi, as I'm sure everyone listening uh, knows. Okami, 
<laughs> which is Capcom's... Well, I mean, it was Clover Studio. Clover is now defunct, but Clover was staffed with people who had left Capcom. I think some of them went to Platinum later on, possibly. Something like that. But Clover made a couple games before they folded, and this was probably the most successful of them, where I think it debuted on PS2, if I'm not mistaken. You play as a god who's like in incarnated as a dog and you go around and you kind of do adventure stuff kind of like zelda-esque is that is that pretty fair description Corey? that seems pretty fair yeah all right cool so actually i not to catch you by surprise or anything i've actually never played this game i've i've bought it i've never played it i've bought it three times i own it on (laughs) ps2 ps3 and ps4 never played it but i did watch my wife play a large portion of it she finished it and played it she liked it a lot. It took her like, I'll tell you what happened. It took her like 85 hours to finish that game. And I'm like, I don't want to play this game for 85 hours. So I never started it. Um, just knowing how long it was really like deterred me from ever beginning. But you have played it. You got it from what, Gamefly? I did. All right, cool. So I am very interested to hear what you have to say about Okami. Okami HD. <clears throat> Okami HD. So knowing that your wife played it for 85 hours and that's how long it took her to finish it. I am sending this game back to Gamefly immediately upon hearing that. <laughs> oh, did I just throw like a giant wet blanket on you? Well, I mean, I okay. So let, let me just let me start over. Let, let's start from the beginning. So I have never played this game before. I know it's like a cult classic. I know it's sort of Zelda e, like you said. It's very cartoony looking. It's got a great art style. It's all it's all this and that. It's like part exploration adventure. You play as this wolf dog thing and. It's like there's combat and there's like a paintbrush thing going on. I really didn't know a whole lot about it in depth before I started it, but the HD version just came out for PS4 and I put it on my Gamefly queue because I thought, okay, it's new. It's like a cult classic. It's not, maybe not a game that I would ordinarily play, but because of its like cult status, I'll give it a shot. I'll see when Gamefly sends it. And then of course they sent it like immediately. So I, um... I played it for about two to three hours over the past couple nights, and um, I like I don't know exactly what I was expecting it to be, but I I'm finding it um, I don't know like underwhelming, and maybe that's because of it not really being my kind of game. But like, so you start it up, and whenever the game starts. It's like the first like 20 minutes of the game is just you like clicking through text and reading and it's got like this big backstory about these like ancient gods and this like wolf like protector and this like 13 headed dragon thing and it's like all of this backstory and the whole time I was reading it I was just like can I just play the game? Like, th- like the the backstory was enough to be its own game, and you have to like listen to it and click through it and read all of it. And it wasn't. I mean, it's very like you know, sort of like Japanese folklore esque kind of like you know, tall tales and stuff. And I just wasn't really feeling it, um, you know, from that alone. And then once you start the actual game, it's kind of one of those games where like. 
it's like every time you do something, the game stops and it's like, oh, here's like five text boxes you have to read and click through. And then you like do one more thing and it's like, oh, here's some more text boxes for you to for you to read through. And I just like I, I mean, if it's like 85 hours long, I bet you like 70 of those hours just clicking through fucking text boxes. Like I'm just so <laughs> tired. Like I'm tired of reading the game. I just want the game to let me play it. And that's like the big problem I'm having with it because you start your wolf or you're like this reincarnation of this wolf God thing. And you're running around and there's like a, there's this little, like, I don't even know what it is. It's like a little, like deity or something that's on like your back and it's kind of like the size of i don't know maybe it's like six inches tall or something it's like this little figurine that's on your back and it kind of does all the talking for you because you're obviously like a wolf so you can't like speak english or anything so it's kind of like the moderator between you and like people in the villages and you have to like part of the game is like running around these villages and like talking to people and figuring out, like, what little things they need done or what little, like, odd jobs and stuff you have to do with them. Like, there's a woman who makes sake in the first village. And she talks about how there's, like, this warrior guy who lives down the road. And, like, he needs her or she needs him to help her, like, fix something. And I I guess I just wasn't really expecting it to be, like, kind of, like, as fuck around as it is. Like... I, I didn't come to this game to, like, spend an hour walking around a village as a wolf, like, talking to everybody in the village and seeing, like, what stupid little task they need done and then going and, like, doing it for them and then, like, maybe fighting, like, two or three demon things, like, along the way. And then every once in a while you have to, like, pause the screen and you bring up, like, the brush function and you have to, like, draw something in the air or, like, on the scene. Like, there's a woman who is doing laundry and she's like, oh, my drying pole that's between these trees, they, it disappeared or somebody ran off with it. So you, like, pause and bring up the drawing menu and you literally just draw a line between the trees and it's like, oh, you, like, magically manifested the drying pole for her because you're, like, a god in this wolf dog thing. And then she's, like, excited because you, like, made her drying pole thing. And it's just, like, a lot of that. It's, like, I mean, I guess, you know, I'm not very deep into the game if it's, like, you know, 80 to 90 hours long and I've only played, um, I've only played, like, two or three hours of it, but... Um, like last night, whenever I was kind of wrapping up the session that I was playing, I like could not get to a save point fast enough so I could stop playing it. And it's just like totally not my cup of tea. Like I, I'm not getting anything out of the exploration. I'm not getting anything out of the combat. I'm not getting anything out of the art style. I don't like how much text there is in the game. A lot of the dialogue is really terrible. Like there's this like kind of um like a traditional like japanese looking woman and like japanese robes and stuff who's like kind of like a goddess that you talk to at the very beginning of the game and like whenever you're talking to her the little dude that's on the wolf's back like is like in her kimono robes and she like in mid-conversation starts like tickling and like panicking and like starts like jiggling about and then it like pops out from her robe and so it's and then at one point he talks about like how he wants to go back in her robes and so it's got this weird layer of like gross like 
That's bizarre. What? stuff I on top of it. Did not know about that. That is that seems really inappropriate. Yeah, and and of course, like it's all very like cartoony looking, but like the kimono like goddess woman, like of course she's got like huge boobs and they have like jiggle physics. And then when the camera pans behind her, like her whole ass is out in her kimono. It's like a traditional kind of looking, like kind of like tailored, like skin tight, like you know, kimono looking robes. But there's just, like, a triangle cut out where her ass is. And, like, her ass is out. And I don't understand, like, what the fuck's going on in this game. And because it it looks, it totally looks and feels like a children's game. You know, it's, like, really colorful. It's pretty. It's very cartoony designed. But then you have, like, stuff like that on top of it. And, yeah, I mean, I... I am not feeling this game at all. And now that I know that it's as long as it is, I had remembered um, back in the day, years ago, listening to an episode of the Game Critics podcast where uh, Ann Lee used to be on. And she had talked about the game at one an episode that she was on. And I remember her talking about how it's one of those games where she thought was way too long. And it felt like it's one of those games where like, you think it's going to end like five times and it never does. So like knowing that from what she said and knowing that your wife played it for like 85 hours, I cannot wait to send this game back to gameplay. Wow. Wow. I mean, I knew it was long and that's why I I have not yet started it, but I always kind of felt like I would get to it someday because it did seem to me like one of those, like one of those games where like you kind of had to play it like it was like it was maybe becoming like one of those critical milestones or something. But boy, Hearing you talk about it, I'm like, ugh, God, none of that is sounding really good to me. I mean, I'm not the biggest Zelda fan in the world, and, um, I, you know, a game that long is already, like, a big undertaking. So I don't know that I would want to sign up for something like that. But, uh, I mean, talking to villagers is something that I hate in any game. It's, like, one of my least favorite things in any game. I hate talking to people and, like, walking around a village. So hearing that you do that a lot is kind of um, warning me away. And then the other stuff, I mean, that... <laughs> the sexy inappropriate stuff like what like i mean i don't know maybe that was just from i, I don't know a, a time before we really were looking at games in a more pc way not to say that games are pc now but by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> but uh i don't know that sounds really kind of like eyebrow raising a bit so hmm hmm not what i was expecting you to say but uh well I guess uh, I guess I'm okay to stay away from that for now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would ask if you're going to play it some more, but I think you made that pretty clear. Um, yeah, Dunzo. Huh? Okay. Well, um, I don't know. I don't have any feedback. I mean, my wife liked it, and she said it was too long. I mean, everybody I talked to says it's too long, but in general, it seems like it's got a pretty good reputation. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it just doesn't hold up after all these years, huh? Yeah, I I just don't know. I mean. I'm sure there's probably, like, a bunch of people listening to the show who love this game who are like, oh, my God, you're an idiot. Like, you don't get it. You don't understand the game. Like, and, you know, fair is fair. Like, it's not my kind of game. I don't really like these kind of adventure games. I've never been a big Zelda fan. So, you know, a lot of the beats that I think Zelda fans would be after in this kind of game are not real. They're kind of lost on me, basically. So, I mean... But, you know, here's what I can say. It's a cult classic game. I gave it a shot. I gave it a fair shot. I didn't, I mean, I put in like two to three hours. I didn't really care for it. And I mean, that's all I can say. Like, I kind of did the same thing with like Shadow of the Colossus on the PlayStation 2 uh, HD remake. Did the same thing with that game. Total cult classic game. I played it for like two hours and then noped out of there because I thought it was boring. And 
I mean, I'm not opposed to trying these games, even if I am wary that they might not be my bag going in. But I, yeah, it's totally just not, not exactly what I thought it would be. And the story is not interesting enough to keep me in. The dialogue is not interesting enough to keep me in. The gameplay is not interesting enough to keep me in. It's just like, there's like nothing in this game for me. So yeah, I will be sending it back to Gamefly very soon. Interesting, interesting. Well, I think that's, you know, you gave it a fair shot. That's all you can do. And I think it's interesting because it really shows that there is such a wide variety of gamers and game tastes out there, which we already knew. Um, we, we often touch on our tastes. I mean, just between the two of us, we have very little that overlaps. And I'm sure that, you know, in the wider spectrum, there's lots of different people who like different things. So that's cool. I mean, not everything has to be everybody's bag. And that's that's fine. I do kind of wonder, though, how how much of this is dated? Because like I said, I'm pretty sure it came out on the PS2. And back then, I'm sure a lot of this stuff would have been pretty revolutionary or pretty attention getting. Um, I didn't play it back then, but it got lots of love back then. That was all people would talk about back then. It was like the near automata of its day. If that, you know, (laughs) kind of tells you how much people were loving on it back then. Um, But I wonder, I wonder if it's just kind of like out of, out of its time right now. I mean, I can't say for sure, but uh, I would be curious to see if it's just, if it's just too old or if it didn't, didn't, didn't keep up with the times but oh well any final thoughts or nah you're done i am done i will never play this game again and if you like this game and you're listening i'm sorry but i gave it a fair shot and it's just not my kind of game and i am moving on well fair enough man fair enough um one final game to talk about and then we are going to wrap the show uh something that i've been playing lately that just came out today as of right now this game has been out for about three hours on the west coast (laughs) way of the passive fist which we have mentioned in passing briefly do you remember talking about this real briefly before Corey? i don't actually okay we didn't we didn't talk much about it uh it came up when we were discussing accessibility options i think when we were talking about celeste a couple episodes ago And we were talking about the different um, accessibility options there. I said that this is another game that has quite a bit of accessibility in in it. And that is very true. Uh, But it's out today. Uh, I've been playing it for the last couple nights. Uh, Full disclosure, I was sent a copy by the publisher. So I'm playing it on their dime. Uh, It is a 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up. If you remember games like, you know, Final Fight or Streets of Rage. Oh, Streets of Rage. I love Streets of Rage. Yeah, so it's it's in that vein. It's n- it's not the same, but it's got the same vibe. It's got the same aesthetic of like you know pixel based art, uh, big chunky sprites walking from left to right, dudes showing up from the sides of the screen. You gotta beat them down. Uh, but there's a couple couple different twists to this game. Uh, first of all, way of the passive fist kind of tips you off to what one of the biggest hooks of this game is. In this game, you are absolutely a passive combatant. So you will have to fight guys and you will have to keep them away and beat them down, but you do not attack like anyone. Like you block and you deflect and you intercept. And so you play a character called the Wanderer in some kind of a sci-fi wasteland. Uh, he's got like goggles, this kind of like Serape or something. He's walking through the desert and these dudes will come in, you know, they look like Mad Max mutant kind of guys or whatever, that kind of an aesthetic. These guys will run in from off screen and they'll start to punch you. And what you do is you uh, push one button to block. And so you use block. And because this world is in space and it's really close to the sun of whatever galaxy it's in, the world is fucking hot. And so (laughs) you let them punch themselves until they get so hot they can't keep going. And then you like poke them with a finger and they fall over. So you let them wear themselves out while you sit there and like block all of their incoming attacks. 
it's it sounds weird, but it's a very, very interesting um, reversal of what you would generally expect from a beat-em-up game because usually you're like, oh, do my combo, bam, 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 build up my range meter, do my super move, kick, you know, combo, jump, backflip, do all this stuff, like be super, super active. In this game, it's like the op the absolute opposite of that where you kind of like keep calm and walk slowly and kind of, you know, look at your surroundings. And when guys come in to rush you, like you really have to like constantly like reevaluate which one is the one that's going to hit you next. Which attacks does this guy do? Got to block, block, block. And then once they get tired enough, you got to make sure that you can knock them over to get them off the screen. It's a really, really interesting reversal of a beat-em-up. And I, I'm not a big fan of beat-em-ups. Um, I think they have a very hard time keeping my attention because after a while, you're just punching the same guy over and over. Um, it's probably good that those beat-em-ups in olden times were so short because I just don't think that the content is there for like an eight or 10 hour experience, right? Um, but this is very interesting. It looks the same when you're like watching a video, but when you're playing it, it feels totally different from an actual beat-em-up. Um, the way that your brain is engaging with the combat is totally different because you're not looking for openings. You're trying to predict what they're going to do and just to defend yourself all the time. And so it feels different. It's got a very tense energy to it. And you're also constantly juggling between different enemies. So like, you know, there'll be like one guy in the front who will do like a four hit combo. You're like, oh, it's this blue guy. He always does four hit combo. So I got to get ready for that. And in the meantime, there will be like a girl in the back of you and she's like throws a boomerang. So you're like, you know, you're constantly reevaluating. Do I have enough time to block this guy's punches before I can turn around and grab the boomerang? Or should I move out of the way? Um, so it just, it's very intense. It requires a lot of your attention and focus, um, which is cool, but in a good way, in a good way. Um, feels, it's not like you're just mindlessly bashing, like you're constantly evaluating and reevaluating um, and, you know, doing like threat assessment the whole time that you're playing it. So it's, it's a different feeling. Um, your guy can also dash, he can uh, dodge. When he, when he blocks a certain number of moves, he's got like a super powerful move that he can do. Um, one of his arms that you block with is a human arm. He's also got a robot arm and he keeps that under his cape. And when you build up enough of a super move, you can like punch, just like once, just like one punch with the robot arm, or you can grab somebody and toss them down or something. It's like your, your, your one and only offensive move that you can do. And it, you have to like do a combo first. So you can't just do it every time. Uh, but it's really cool. The, the graphics are really, um, they got a good vibe to them. Like it feels like something that you would have seen in the arcade in the eighties. The music is of that period. Um, it's got these really kind of shitty voiceovers that sound like a really like lame voice chips that they had in arcade machines back in the day. <laughs> Real kind of staticky and scratchy, but, you know, intentionally so. And uh, it's just been really fun. Really enjoying it. I don't like beat em up, but I really like this one a lot. It's really um, exercising a different part of my brain, which I enjoy. Um, the other reason that this game is notable and like I alluded to earlier was that this game has a lot of accessibility options. So when you start a game, you can um, choose like how many enemies you're going to fight. You can choose how much damage they're going to do. You can choose how many um, health items and save points you're going to have. You can choose um, how long of a window you have to initiate a combo. Uh, and there's other options as well. In fact, I heard of somebody today earlier today who was blind who was playing this game and was able to play this game because of all the different options that were included. Uh, I've heard, I'm pretty sure that you can do um, controller remaps. Uh, so there's a, a really above average amount of stuff you can change to really customize the experience. Um, and I, I put it, uh, you know, I, I sat with my son. He wanted to play this. So we put it, uh, played this together. He was really getting into it. I put everything on the easiest mode so that he could play it. Um, that he's not really uh, used to playing games like this. So I wanted it to be easy for him. And he enjoyed what he played. 
and we had a really good time. I think this is a really cool indie, uh, really unique, um, very different kind of ideas on display here, not only with the accessibility, but just like completely turning the genre on its head and doing the opposite of what you would expect. So uh, really liking it a lot, really liking it a lot. The only complaint I have so far, I'm about halfway through the game, is that uh, I do feel like some of the stages go on for a little bit too long. Um, it's not terrible, but rather than like play through the whole game in one sitting, I'm finding myself maybe doing like one or two levels and then stopping because that's like a good enough portion of time. Um, I wouldn't mind the levels being a little bit shorter. Uh, the only other thing to say is that even with all the accessibility stuff turned on and the game turned to its easiest mode, I do feel like it's a little bit too hard. Um, now, it's fine for me because I can, you know, I'm used to these games, I've got skills, uh, plenty of checkpoints, so that's fine. I can make my way through it. But you do get kind of mobbed by people and it, it is fast paced. Like, you really have to like be good with like moving back and forth between people. When the bosses show up, the bosses are usually a lot tougher than the normal goons. So I do think that, I mean, and just for, from watching my son play, who is not an expert at these games, it got too hard for him about maybe three or four levels in. He really likes it. And he came back and he was practicing and he'll get better at it. But I think that um, they could have gone a little further to make it even easier than it is. Um, but overall, I mean, I'm really liking it a lot. I think it's really cool and neat and fresh and going in the right direction. And I'm having a good time with it. I'm definitely going to finish this one up. I'm doing, like I said, one or two levels a night. So I should have it done by the next time we record. But, uh, yeah, thumbs up so far, man. This game sounds rad as fuck. Oh, really? Am I talking your language here? Yeah, this sounds good. Because I... Um, I'm a big, big fan of Streets of Rage back on like the Sega Genesis days, and I haven't really played anything like that recently, but this sounds to me, I haven't done this in a while, but I'm going to do that comparison thing again with games. It sounds to me like if you took like Streets of Rage and like Batman Arkham Combat and put them together in like a Streets of Rage game, that's what it sounds like to me. Oh, Corey Motley firing at all cylinders. <laughs> you got the magic, baby. That is that's a pretty good summation of what it is. I mean, it definitely feels like when you're doing that Arkham Arkham Knight combat, when you're like waiting for the counter button to come up or you're waiting for the, the jump button or whatever. Yeah, it's it's very similar. So like you're really focused on what the enemies are doing. And your brain is just like working in a totally different way, like block, 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 block. And it's not attack, attack, attack. It seems like not that big a difference, but it really feels like a really big difference. Um, so if you like those kind of games, I would definitely say go for it, man. I mean, the only uh, word of caution, and it's not even really a word of caution, but just like to have the proper expectations is that it's a very simple game. So it's very much along the lines of like Streets of Rage or Final Fight or something like that. Um, you know, you're in there, you're walking left to right, you're fighting the goons. That's basically all you do. But I feel like... It's so intense at times, and there's so much brain power required to like play this game successfully. Like in some ways, I'm almost glad that there's not else that there's not anything else to do in there because I feel like it's using all my bandwidth to kind of play the way that I'm playing. <laughs> so it's kind of good. Although every once in a while, I wouldn't mind like beating up a car or jumping a couple platforms or something. I haven't come across anything like that yet. I think the bosses are probably the biggest variation in the formula. But if you're okay with beat 'em ups and you like that kind of thing, I th I think this is a great one. I really enjoy it a lot. Graphics are great. The concept is great. I mean, the, it feels great. I'm, I'm, I'm liking it a lot. If you like this kind of game, I say go for it, sir. I think maybe this will... Is it... I don't know if this is a bad comparison to make, but is this scratching the itch for you that you suspected that maybe Ruiner was going to scratch? Sort of. Um, in the sense that I like some games where they give you small segments of combat that are like bite-sized. You like do one encounter, then move on. 
it is kind of in that same vein where you got, you know, you walk to a room, three goons in the room, you take out the goons, you move on. I, that can be a really satisfying feeling sometimes. And that is what this is. I mean, it, it does give you that same bite-sized uh, encounter sense. Although the, the actual combat is like wildly different. I mean, Ruiner was like way, way faster, way more about reflexes and kind of gaming the power-up system. This is more about just like learning enemies and being um, clear and definite about the actions that you take. So it's in, in a way, yeah, and in a way, no, but I find this to be way more satisfying than Ru I'm liking it a lot more than Ruiner, that's for sure. Good, okay. This is like, because even though you were talking about Ruiner and we kind of came to the conclusion that you didn't like it and that I was super interested in it and that you kind of talked me down on it, it was like just on sale on PSN last week. It might even still be on sale right now. And like every time I see it on sale, I think like, Hmm, like maybe I should buy this because I'm still really interested, but now maybe I'll just buy Way of the Pacifist instead. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I, I know your taste and I, I, I was also similarly attracted to Ruiner very much so, but boy, that got sour real quick. I do not think you would be happy with that. If you're going to, if you're going to buy one game this week, I would say buy Way of the Pacifist. I bet you will have a much better time with that. I will definitely keep it on my radar and let you know if I pick it up. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, uh, I'll report back on that probably next week after I finish it. But other than that, that's all I've got for the show. Anything else you uh, have for the show, sir? Uh, nothing more. I feel like we have really run the gauntlet of stuff on this episode. We have run the gauntlet. We have expended all of our ammo. We have gotten rid of all the leftovers. We've cleaned out the fridge. We've done everything uh i don't have any tidbits left over i'm guessing you probably got rid of all your tidbits next show fresh show fresh show no more housekeeping no more housekeeping all right cool 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 well folks hope you've enjoyed it tonight this brings us to the end of this episode uh remember stick around after the ending music to hear tonight's banter non-game related banter otherwise feel free to bail and we will catch you next week in the meantime, please remember that you can send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to. Send the nudes to Corey, not to me. Uh, <laughs> hit us up at sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for us at gamecritics.com. Jeez, uh, can't even say my own website. <laughs> post comments for us at gamecritics.com after the show gets posted there. We are also on Twitter as a collective show, at sovideogames. And you can reach us individually. You can hit me up. Uh, at my name, Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And Corey, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at, also my first and last name, it is Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. But when you spell your name, it reminds me that when Joshua Jackson sent me Old Man's Journey on Steam, he attached a note to it, and he said, if this game sucks blame brad uh, galloway but he spelled it with all o's <laughs> oh you bastard you bastard oh, brad no. goloy Goal boy. <laughs> ah, ah, that's nasty i'm taking him off my favorite dudes list <laughs> all right that is it for the end of this so video games uh remember we've got banter but if you don't want the banter we will be back next week with yet another installment and for now this is bye from brad and bye from Corey. we will see you guys next week
cool. You know, interestingly, I uh, I don't know if I told you this or not, but uh, I, you know, we do a lot of uh, coverage for deaf deaf gamers over at Game Critics, uh, and I got contacted by a, a fairly well known deaf uh, game player. Uh, I don't exactly travel in those circles, so I don't know like all the you know who are the big names in deaf streaming and deaf gameplay personalities, you know, YouTube wise and stuff like that. But uh, he reached out and he was like, oh, I know that you do this stuff and you do videos and a podcast. Would you mind doing the voiceovers for my game reviews? Because he's deaf, and so he's doing his entire game review in sign language, right? So I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. I would totally do that. So um, I watched his video. It's not up yet. He's in the middle of um, post-production or whatever. But, uh, I mean, he's got a big time. He's got, like, a whole crew and everything. He, like, sent it to his AV people and stuff. And I'm like, ooh, fancy. <laughs> um, so I recorded my track, and I did it a couple times. First one's always rough, and I was, you know, kind of nervous about it. But... Uh, sent it in, and I, I felt pretty good about it. And then uh, he's like, oh, uh, the AV team had... Uh, he's like, oh, I thought you were great. Uh, but again, he's deaf, so I mean, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, but he's like, yeah, the AV team had some feedback and stuff. And I was feeling pretty good about it, because I, I listened back to it. I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. I feel like this works. Felt like Did they very... just, like, fucking destroy you whenever they came back I mean, with they feedback? Did... <laughs> 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 they, they, didn't, they didn't, like, totally destroy me, but it was one of those things where it's like, Oh yeah, it was very good. But you were like tinny. But you sound like a robot. But you had repeated word choices. But your vocal tone was really flat. And I'm like, oh, oh no. I was like, damn. I'm like, okay, so cool. Like I get that. And like I get you guys have higher standards than maybe what I'm used to doing. Which is totally fine. I accept that. Good voiceovers are an art, and that's cool. But like, what can I do to make it better? You know. And like the only feedback they had was like, get closer to your mic. And I'm like, okay, that's <laughs> that's not very. I mean, okay, I can do that. I will do that. But like, there's got to be more to that because I felt like there was more technique or something that i could be working on and they didn't really have more specific feedback so i kind of felt i don't know like oh man was it that bad like oh shit like what i'll do it over what what can i do but i don't know we'll see we'll see uh they did not tell me to do it again they said it was quote unquote good enough which made me feel terrible uh so we're gonna it's gonna be posted next week i'll send you a link and you can tell me what you think i thought it was okay but shit after hearing that feedback i was like ah maybe what i think is okay is actually fucking terrible i don't know (laughs) I mean, their standards aside, that is a pretty exciting thing, though, because you have a lot of experience with doing the exact opposite of that, right? Where you're listening to someone talk and you're doing sign language. But is this like a first for you of doing like it the other way around? Oh, no, I do. I do plenty of both. But this is for like for actually like publishing something that's going to be like, you know, like a piece in the media or something that's going to be like really widely circulated. That'll be kind of a a weird kind of a first. So we'll see how it goes. I guess I'm like way more nervous about it now, but I'll, uh, <laughs> I've always, I, see, it's funny too, because I've always kind of in the back of my mind thought, and I'm sure many people have thought this too. So maybe it's just me being a dork, but like you play a game, right. And like you hear the voiceovers and they're so bad, you know, like you just hear these incredibly bad voiceovers. And you're like, shit, I could do better than that. Like, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people think that, but I'm like, I genuinely think I could do better than that. And I thought I could. And then after doing this video, I'm like, ah, maybe, maybe, I'm, <laughs> maybe, maybe I do have that. Like, three dollar janitor voice that people put in like in their really cheapy voice budgets you know maybe that's me or maybe i didn't think i am but we'll see i don't know you'll have to let me know if it sounds terrible i will report back but for whatever it's worth i mean i've never heard you in like a like tried and true voice acting situation but i mean from podcasting with you and from listening to you on the game critics podcast before i was ever in the podcast circle or on um, Carlos Rodella's show, whenever you guys used to do that, I mean, I had always considered you and still consider you to have a very, like, 
bright animated voice um so i don't know maybe they just have slightly different standards for what you should sound like because i've i never there's never been a time and i'm not saying this to flatter you or whatever just because you're my podcast partner like i i've never listened to you talk and been like oh what a boring guy or oh like what a slouch <laughs> voice like like you're always like articulate and animated and fun and bouncy and so i wouldn't consider you to be like not a good speaker i guess well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And that, you know, it would be quite ironic to make, you know, make it to like episode 72 and have you be like, and by the way, your voice really sucks. So I just wanted to <laughs> share that with you after 72 episodes. That would be fairly crushing. So like maybe don't share that with me even if that's not what you think. But No way, no okay, way. That's like right. an early prerequisite for even deciding that I wanted to do the show is all like right. knowing that you sound good and you have the experience and you're comfortable with like talking. I mean, if anything, I'm probably the half of the podcast that could use better like speech values than uh, than you, I think. Ah, no, I think we balance out. I think we make a good team. I mean, of course, uh, as being half of the team, I, you know, I have a little biased opinion on that, but people keep listening <laughs> and people keep coming back week after week. So I would hope that people would agree. So anyway, not to uh, inflate anybody's egos or anything. And thank you for the the praise. I really do appreciate it. But yeah, it was kind of nerve wracking <laughs> to, to get that kind of like, you know, I don't know these people. They don't know me. It was like, you know, it was basically like getting a voice recording from a stranger and then just evaluating it just on the straight up, you know, the qualities that they were looking for. And to be fair, like, they didn't really tell me what they wanted beforehand. So it's not like, you know, they didn't say, oh, we want you to be peppier or we want you to be using certain words or anything. It was just like, go for it, do your thing, and then we'll see what you think afterwards. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, I got... Is this... Is it something that you're going to do more of? Like, do you think he'll come back to you and be like, hey, do you want to do this for a future video? Well, that was kind of the plan, although I guess, I mean, after that feedback, maybe they're <laughs> like, not anymore, <laughs> maybe not anymore. So I don't know. I'll let you know, because he originally approached me, you know, because he was interested because he knew I do game reviews and we do accessibility and I have, you know, fingers in those pies. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you seem like a good fit. Let's do it. But again, like he's deaf. And so like he may, you know, like me in our interactions or whatever. But, you know, he's not the final say on like what it sounds like. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah, he, he was like, oh, yeah, I got all these games lined up and let's have you do the voiceovers. But then, you know, I guess it ultimately falls to the audio team to see whether I make the cut. They're supposed to get back to me this week. So we'll see how that goes. But anyway, anyway, so I OK, so let's let's frame things a little bit for uh, the people listening uh, we are, are doing a little bit of a different thing this week. Uh, we're going to get to this more formally in the show and we're in the time warp because we're doing this first and not last. And so you've already heard the show, so it's not gonna make sense to you. Uh, but what we're doing this week is we have just like a bunch of random topics thrown up on a, uh, document. We do not have like the ordered script that we usually have. We don't have like, uh, you know, who's talking about what, when, so we're going to just like kind of just roll with it. I mean, we kind of generally do that during banter anyway, but we have even more stuff to pick from this time, and uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see if this, you know, quote unquote organic approach will suit us a little bit better than uh, anything else we've done in the past. But uh, I mean, I could talk forever, Corey. What do you What do you got for banter this week, though? Let's Let's, let's hear from you, man. Um, this is one of those weird weeks where, like, I like there's I don't I don't know like it's one of those situations where I don't know what quite just what happened to my week because I remember. Like, two nights ago, I remember on Saturday, because I was really, really... Like, I can perfectly recall what happened on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, because I was very busy all weekend. I was doing a lot of photography over the weekend, but I pretty much say that at the start of every single show, so that's, like, not a big surprise. But, like, I was downtown in New Orleans all Friday afternoon doing photography. I had the guys come back over to my house to do some studio shoots on Friday night. 
Saturday, I was at a skate park event all day shooting. And then Sunday, um, sort of like at the last minute, uh, there were some of the guys doing parkour in Baton Rouge. So like I drove to Baton Rouge, shot all day, didn't get back home until like seven. And I had considered like Sunday night, it was going to be like my like, oh, I'm going to start a new game tonight. And it'll be like one of my games I'll prep for the show and one of the games I'll talk about. But during the trip um, back on Sunday, I had like a gigantic headache and I was really pissed because I had, you know, like, you know, uh, last Tuesday night, last Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, like, you know, all these nights that I could have played video games. But I was like, oh, you know, I'll just I'll wait, you know, I'm busy or something. And then the night that I was planning on having it, I had like a giant headache and I didn't feel like doing anything and I was miserable. Um, But then it makes me think back to the rest of the week and just wondering, like, what exactly happened. Because, like, full disclosure, I don't have a lot of banter this week. But that makes me wonder, like, what did I do all week? Like, I wasn't playing a lot of video games. I mean, I have video games to talk about, which we'll get to it in the show. But most of what I have to talk about, I played last night and a little bit the night before. Um, so it's like, I, like, what what exactly was I doing all week? I can't, like, I don't have a lot of banter for the show. I can't think of what I was doing. I didn't play a lot of video games, so what exactly took up all my time last Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night? I don't know what happened. I mean, there. it could be it could be alcoholic haze. <laughs> it could be alien abduction. It could, could be, be you were eating food and watching YouTube again. It could be you slept. I mean, any of those things? <laughs> any of those things clicking? I mean, all all of them except for that alcoholic haze, because I definitely, I mean, I, you know, probably drink like a beer a day, but I'm never like drunk in the middle of the week. Um, but I mean, I definitely, I guess like on Wednesday, I edited the show. So that took up a really big chunk of my Wednesday after work. And then like I posted the show on thursday after work because we ended up in an embargo situation i guess we haven't talked about this since um since we recorded the show but last week we ended up in a situation where and it really wasn't a problem at all where we discovered that we talked about subsurface circular and didn't realize it was under embargo so i had to post the show a day after i was supposed to which really like was no um you know no big deal because it ended up extending the deadline and i was already going to edit the show on wednesday anyway so like wednesday was that and like i honestly can't remember what i did on thursday and really on i mean i guess on tuesday we recorded the show and then after that i probably just like um ate dinner and then went to bed or something i don't know it's strange (laughs) we're getting into that dangerous like old man territory where you, you say constantly where did the time go Boy, time just goes by so quickly. Like we're we're starting to say that more and more because I think we're advancing in age. Dangerous yeah. place to be. We've got to cherish every moment. We've got to log everything that we do. We've got to like be present. We gotta be present, Corey. <laughs> I mean, this just brings back around the the faux segment you wanted to start last week about aging gracefully. This is maybe <laughs> just part of it. Like like being present and understanding what you're doing and like scheduling things like more efficiently or something like that but i'm actually very excited because usually now that we've started recording on tuesdays i've been finishing recording and then not starting to edit until wednesday like usually i'll start editing whenever i get home on wednesday editing the show and depending on the length of the show because usually we record for like two to two and a half hours I listen back to the whole thing. I mean, I could just throw them in GarageBand and export it, but I know that the one time I did that without listening back to the show, there'd be like, I don't even know, like a 
fucking like bomb would go off in the neighborhood that I wouldn't have heard and it would make this loud noise or there would be some like odd like typing noises or my cats would be meowing a lot or something like that and um so listening back to the show takes and posting it probably takes about three to four hours depending on how long the show is um you know exporting it writing down all the details writing down the timestamps, you know logistically posting it on SoundCloud and filling out all the info on SoundCloud um, but I'm actually planning on editing this show tonight, or at least editing most of it tonight, because I have so many pictures to edit from the weekend, and those two activities go hand in hand, because I can listen back to the show, and I can edit pictures at the same time. So I'm planning on, basically, I don't think the sh- I don't know if the show will be up tonight, but if not, it'll be up very early um, tomorrow, like early afternoon tomorrow. Right on, right on. Well, I know that editing pictures takes up quite a bit of time. I mean, I don't know a lot about the specifics of that, but editing anything takes a lot of time if you do it with care. You know, I mean, that's kind of the same thing that happens to me at Game Critics where, you know, people will send in like a piece or something. And it's like we have about, I mean, not everybody at Game Critics is equally active. Some people write a lot and some people just write pretty frequently. But like altogether, we've got about 25 people that write for us at the moment. Uh, goes up, goes down, but we're, we're sitting at about 25 or so. And so, like, see, some people send something in and they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, here you go, here you go. And they'll, like, expect it to be, like, up on the website, like, that night or, like, the next day. <laughs> and so, I mean, sometimes that happens. Like, if it's a really hot game and we're coming in under the deadline or if I knew that somebody really busted their ass to get me something in a hurry, I'll put it to the top of the queue and I'll prioritize it and that's fine. But it's, like, to, to simply edit a piece, you have to read it once. Just read it through and then you got to, like, read it again and then you got to, you know, do all the uh, spell checking and then you got to check to make sure like the content is good. You know, every, I mean, everything is in the correct format. I mean, that takes time. And then not only that, I mean, there's like other people. There's always other pieces in the queue. Like we've constantly got like pieces coming in. So it's never like I have nothing to do and I'm sitting around. It's like I've at any given time, I've got like 20 reviews to edit and a couple blogs to do and stuff. I mean, there's like it just never ends. And so. It takes a lot. Of t- it takes a ton of time. And then if any changes need to be made, then you send that back to the person. It takes even more time. So editing anything takes tons of time. So I can imagine if you were kind of like wondering what happened to your week. I mean, if you edited pictures even once, I'm sure that must take you at least a couple hours easily, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, it kind of depends on like the pictures because some of them, like I've got a pretty good like editing um like, I edit, basically, I edit a lot of my pictures the exact same way, so I kind of make a lot of the same, like, uh, like detail edits in, the, in almost every picture, like, almost the same ones in every picture, but, uh, I mean, a picture can take me anywhere from, like, like, if I'm really, like, busting my ass and just doing, like, minimal edits, it can take me, like, I don't know, like, two minutes to edit, but some, I look at them for, like, a half an hour, or I'll, like edit them and then I'll stop and I'll edit some other ones and then I'll come back to the first one and you know or I will export it and then the next day I'll look at it and be like what the fuck was I thinking and I'll like go back and edit it again and like re-export it because maybe like the picture looks too like warm toned and I want it to be cooler and it's I don't know it's like always a process but I mean if we're talking about go like a day at the skate park when I take 500 pictures and then I have to look through all of them and I choose maybe 20 that I want to edit and then I spend anywhere from like a couple minutes to like 30 minutes per picture, you know, I mean, you can do the math. Like it definitely takes a long time. And, um, 
so yeah, it's a lot. Um, it's a lot of time, and I I do enjoy whenever people like. I, I like when people are excited about me photographing them, but it also cracks me up whenever I have people that will like direct message me on Instagram and they'll be like, oh, how did the pictures come out? Like, do you have any ready? Like some random skateboarder. And I'm like, dude, do you have any idea how many pictures I have to edit? Like, <laughs> like I, like I will get to it when I get to it. And if, you know, if it, um, interrupts my workflow because basically like I'm pretty generous as a photographer because when I go out to the skate park or when I go out and photograph parkour I generally don't charge for anything like I if I make contact with somebody and if I don't know them um you know like if I know I took a bunch of good pictures of a skateboarder at the park and I introduce myself and say like hey my name's Corey what's your name I think I got some good shots of you are you on Instagram like you know let's link up so I can make sure I tag you and everything um, I generally just edit them and then give the people the pictures. The only time that things get hairy um, is whenever, like, and this happened a couple weeks ago. Like, there was a guy. I haven't talked about the BMX thing on the show yet, have I? I don't think so. Okay, so, okay, I guess I was just kidding about not having banter because I do have a small story about this. So. <laughs> but this was, it. like, two weekends ago. I could have talked about this last week, but I did not. Um so I went to shoot a BMX thing. Um, it was like a skateboarding and BMX thing at a different skate park than I usually go to in town. And like nobody asked me to do it. Nobody invited me. I just anytime there's some kind of like jam or like events going on, I always like to shoot it because I know there's going to be a lot of people there. I know there's going to be a lot going on. So I went to go shoot this thing and it was mostly BMX. And there was a, a BMX dude after who introduced himself to me. Um, and he was like, oh, hey, you know, my name's so-and-so. And, And, you know, I kind of like flipped through some pictures on my camera and let him see them. And, uh, and, you know, got his info and I was like, yeah, I'll totally like, let me, give me, you know, a couple weeks to edit them or so. And I will send, you know, I'll send you the Google Drive folder and you can, you know, use them for whatever you want. Like, that's generally my attitude. Unless someone very specifically wants to schedule a photo shoot with me, that's when I start talking about pricing options. But like, if I'm just out doing it on my own time, like I generally don't charge for anything. Like I just edit them in my natural workflow and give them out. And, and so I... Later on, he, or it was like a night or two later, he asks me on Instagram, he's like, oh, would you mind sending me the raw files? And like, like photography, this is one of those things where when people ask for raw pictures, they think they know what they're talking about, but they don't actually know what they're talking about. Like basically... When someone says a raw file, they mean a picture that's unedited. But in actuality, a raw file is, I mean, it is that. It's a picture that's unedited. But if you take a picture in a raw format, it basically gives you a lot more editing options than if you take it in like a JPEG format or like a different kind of format. And usually the camera has a setting where you can decide like how you want to take the picture. And um, and so he was like, you know, I kind of like to edit them the way that I want and so I told him, I was like, well, giving out raw photos is like not something that photographers usually do. Um, you know, usually we work on them and then we give them out after or we charge for them. And I was totally expecting him to be like, oh, OK, like, that's cool, guy. You know, like, I'll wait for you to finish editing them and then, you know, I'll, I'll take them. But instead, he like pushed back on it, which was kind of alarming to me. And he was like, and maybe it's because he's a little bit younger and he doesn't understand like you know, business practices and stuff. But he kind of pushed back and he was like, he was like, oh, well, you know, like it's me and I'm really proud of the work I did. And, you know, I really just want to like put some of my own edits on it. 
And I was like, okay, I was like, I understand that. I was like, but you have to think about like, I was like, you should be proud of the work you do as a BMX writer, but I'm also proud of the work I do as a photographer, just like your BMX work is your art form. I was like, my photography is my art form. And we both use those as our practices. And so I told him, I was like, if you want the raw files, I will sell them to you. But I'm not going to give you them for free because that's not something that photographers generally generally do. And I was totally expecting him to come back and be like, oh, fuck off, dude. Or like, oh, what the fuck? Like, really? You're going to charge me for them? But in a pleasant turn of events, he was like, I mean, it took him like a day or two to message me back probably because he was busy. But he messaged me back finally. And he was like, OK, I understand that. Like, name your price. And I was like, whoa, because I was not expecting him to actually like want to buy them. And so then I was in the precarious position of deciding exactly what to charge for raw files for my photos because I had never really sold them before like that. Um, So I came down to the and I had messaged another photographer in the area um, just kind of like picking his brain a little bit to ask him about it. And I ended up um, just I mean, I said I set up a really modest price for them. I was like. I was like, hey, you know, basically I'll do this as like a package thing. I said, if you want one picture, one raw file, I'll send it to you for $30. But every picture after that, I'll only charge $10. So if you want two, it'll be $40. Three, it'll be $50. Um, which is really a pretty big undervalue of a photographer's work. But I figured, you know, whatever. I wasn't going to get paid anyway. So I might as well just charge, you know, kind of a minimal amount for this. Like, it's not like I'm... Photography is like my bread and butter. And so he ended up buying um, two shots and I got 40 bucks out of it. So, you know, it wasn't like a shitload of money, but it ended up being like kind of a pleasant transaction. Like I was expecting him to be like a total dick, like because I was asking him to pay for this stuff. But instead he turned around and he asked for prices. I gave him prices and then he paid for two of them. And it was a very pleasant experience. I got to say, I'm shocked. I was expecting the whole fuck you. And he knocked the camera out of your hand and ran off with it or something. <laughs> or, you know, that's what I was, I was waiting for. So I'm, I guess I'm actually kind of surprised. I mean, so like, I'm totally like not in the photography world at all. The only, my only exposure is like, the one time High we hired exposure. a wedding. That's fa- a photography pun. Ah, look at that. A natural, <laughs> a natural. Uh, my only, my only uh, exposure is uh, when we hired a wedding photographer when me and uh, Gina got married. And then just, you know, hearing you talk about it on the show and stuff. I mean, I guess just as like a total asshole, no nothing dude off the street, I would be like, you took a picture of me and didn't ask my permission. So why the fuck should I pay you? Like. Because, I mean, I'm guessing is the whole theory behind that, like you're going to like a public event and so anybody's free to take pictures of anybody at a public event. Is that kind of how that like, is that the philosophy? Yeah, I mean, basically like and this is kind of like how we have paparazzi in the world is like if you're in a public space, like basically it's fair game. Like there's I mean, of course, you know, if he if I were at the skate park and he were like, oh, I don't want you to take pictures of me, I would be respectful and I would say, okay, I won't. But technically he can't legally prevent me from taking pictures of him or anybody if it's in a public space. But if we were in a private space, it would be a different matter. But that's basically how it works. If you're in a public space, it's fair game for photographers. And as soon as the photographer's uh, finger hits the shutter button, or if they use a remote sensor or a timed sensor, they own all copyright to the photograph. Even if I took a bunch of pictures and somebody else slaved over editing them or if I paid someone else to edit them they would not own copyright to the pictures I would still own it because I technically took the picture but yeah that's uh, public place is generally how it works okay well that's good to know because I I seriously had no idea I mean I would not 
I, I don't think that I would ever knock your camera out of your hands, but I would be very confused <laughs> and like, I don't know what the deal would be. So anyway, all right, cool, cool, cool. Well, that's, that, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear that he was cool and that there was no altercation and that he just, you know, he recognized that you're an artist just like he's an artist. And, you know, I'm sure that he ha- probably has dreams of getting paid for BMXing if he wasn't getting paid that day, or maybe he was. And, you know, if you're an artist, you got to respect other people's art, even if it's not the kind of art you do. So I'm glad that he, uh, he came around. Yeah, me too. It was uh, it was definitely a good experience, and and I mean, if he ever wanted to like hire me for a shoot, because I've had a couple dudes lately um, hit me up on Instagram to do like actual legit photo shoots. Like, there's a guy, a cosplayer guy that I shot at uh, one of the cosplay conventions here, um, who recently messaged me about shoots. So I've kind of been coming up with like pricing options for shoots too. But like, if the guy wanted to book a shoot with me i mean that's something we could negotiate for the shoot like if i said okay you pay me 150 dollars, i come to the park for three hours and then i give you like 10 photos or 20 photos or if you want the raw files i can give you the raw files but i'll probably charge more for that or something like it's just kind of what and i'm sure you run into this because you do a lot of freelance work too i mean it's the same thing it's like every every situation is a little bit different. Like you can negotiate things a little bit different. You know, everybody has different demands. So it's kind of weird, like stepping, like dipping a toe into um, like paid work for photography. Well, this is interesting. I, it would be kind of cool to kind of go back. I mean, even just to like the first episode of so video games, when you were just like talking about maybe taking photos, maybe going to go out and do some stuff. And then like, look at now, like you're like, I'm developing like a fee schedule and I'm setting up shoots and I'm on Instagram. So like, I bet if we went back and like, you listen to all those episodes, like if there was a way to like compress that time, it would be like this little, like the journey of Corey becoming like this professional (laughs) photographer. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. I, uh, you've come a long way in a short period of time. Maybe it doesn't seem like it to you, but like as a person who listens to you talk about it, uh, you've come very far in a very short period of time. So you should be proud, man. Thank you. I am, uh, I am proud, and I was just looking on um, Facebook has like a, like a, it's called on this day, quote unquote, and it basically shows you like everything that happened that you posted or anything on that day. Yeah, and yeah, one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I was looking at it the other day, and it, as of the time of recording right now, exactly one year and two days ago, I photographed skateboarding for the very first time whenever I was still in Omaha. It was literally like the week before we moved out of New Orleans, and... Um, and like, I've already had a picture in Thrasher magazine in less than a year of skateboard photography. So that's pretty rad. And National Geographic retweeted you, right? Yeah. And I had, um, like the Nat Geo, your shot, uh, social media thing. Like I, uh, I had, they posted a picture of mine on Instagram and I, uh, I mean, I guess there, it wasn't like a competition, but I did have a photo in one of their assignments on their website. So that was pretty neat. All that in a year, man. And now you're like getting paid. Setting up uh, professional shoots and stuff. Got a little <laughs> studio set up. Man, you're coming along. Coming along. <laughs> All right, well, let's change it up a little bit. I wanted to run something by you, um, kind of changing the tone a little bit. This was like such a bizarre thing. And I talked to my wife about it. I got some feedback from her. And I just, it's kind of, I don't know, it's weird, man. It's like messing me up in the head. So let me, let me lay this out for you. And I would love your feedback on this. So I'm a little bit nervous about where this is going to go. Please, please be nervous. Be nervous. Oh, no. Uh, so, okay. So I got like a really shitty shoulder. Um, I just have always had like a bad, like a trick shoulder. Um, ever since I was a kid, I didn't ever, I didn't get into car accident, no injury. Just like ever since I can remember, like if I move it a certain way, like it pops and I can't do certain motions. Just, I guess I was just born that way. Right. So like 
it acts up every once in a while. And so when it, when it gets bad, I'll go in to get like a, a massage because it really helps uh, relax the muscles and kind of take some of the pain off. Um, so there's this uh, massage place at the local mall uh, and it's not fancy at all. It's, it's fairly affordable. And they've got like those little, I don't know if you've ever seen them, those like little massage chairs where you're, you're kind of like kneeling in them and you put your face down in a little circle pillow thing so that they can just like rub your shoulders and your back. Have you ever seen those? Mm-hmm. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so good. They have a bunch of those, and so you don't you don't take your clothes off or anything. You just like you just let, you, know, you sit in the chair, you put your face down, and so they rub your your neck and your shoulders and your back. And I go there once in a while whenever I'm having like a bad day. Uh, been going to this place for like oh man, it must be like five or six years now. Um, just whenever, and they know me. You know, I they know me when I come in, and I say hey. And they've had kind of a rotating cast of characters. Like there's been one or two ladies that have been there for the whole time. But people don't tend to stay very long. So, like, every couple of months, there'll be, like, a new face, which is fine. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where they find these people. I don't know, you know, where they go or what happens to them or who knows what. But anyway, so I'm having a bad day. Shoulders acting up. And I'm like, ah, the shoulders hurt. I'm going to go in for a quick massage. You know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes just to put me back on my feet. So I go in there. And they've got a new person working. And I'm like, okay, it's time for another new person. Okay. So um, my favorite lady is busy with somebody else. I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'll try the new one. Who knows? Maybe she's good. Maybe she's not. But we'll give it a shot. So I go go there. Hey, how's it going? Okay, fine. Yeah, 20 minutes. Sure. Okay. I get in the chair. Face down. You know, I'm just relaxing there for a minute. And she starts, uh, you know, rubbing my shoulders and my back and everything. And that's fine. I mean, it's, it's okay. She's not as good as my favorite lady, but that's fine. Um, and earlier in the week, I was playing with my son. We were just roughhousing at, at home. And I had um, ended up scratching my elbow. Um, just like on the corner of a little cabinet and I had like, like a very, like it was a, it was a bigger cut, but it healed up and all that was left was like a very small, um, just like a little bit of a remnant of a scab. Sorry to be gross, but like that, you know, just a little tiny little scab so, left over. So gross, Brad. I know, so I know. Disgusting. Don't, don't throw up on, <laughs> on the mic. Okay. So, okay. Just keep that in mind. So like there's a tiny little scab on my elbow from where I got cut and it's healed. It's totally healed up. It's fine. It's, it's just about to fall off. It's, you know, healed. Skin is underneath, no blood or anything. So I'm sitting there getting massaged, and the lady's, you know, doing the neck, doing the shoulders. It's all good, it's all good, it's all good. And then she gets to my arm where that scab is, and I can feel her arm, you know, her hand is kind of going, it's at the shoulder, and then it's going to the upper arm. She's kind of moving down the arm. She's getting to the elbow. And then she hits the part, her, her hand brushes over that part where that scab is, right? And she kind of pauses for a second, and I feel her pausing. And I'm like, oh, maybe she's changing her grip or taking a breath or whatever, you know, whatever. But she stops for a second. She goes back up to the shoulder, like upper, and then she comes back to that spot and she totally stops and she starts picking that scab. Oh, gross. The scab on my elbow. And I'm here for a massage. I'm not here for professional scab removal at all. And I'm, I totally like froze. And I'm like, she's fucking picking my scab. What is going on? Is this even happening? What the fuck? And like, I started like quietly freaking out for a second and I'm like, okay, just stay calm. <laughs> Stay calm for two seconds. It's probably not what you think it is. Just don't panic, right? Um, and so, like, I just, I don't say anything for a second, but I notice that she's doing it. I don't know if she felt me getting tense or whatever. And she, she, so she stopped. She kept doing the rest of the arm, but then she came back to it and she started picking it again. And it wasn't just like, it wasn't just fingers brushing over it. It was like, she was like intentionally digging at that scab. And I'm like... I was almost going to, like, jump out of the chair and be like, what the fuck are you doing? But, like, I was like, okay, I've come to this massage place for, like, literally, like, five years. I know the owners. They're nice people. This lady is new. Like, I don't know who she is, so she's weird. But, like, I don't want to cause a scene because 
I don't want any, you know, I don't want to cause like a problem. And I want to come back here, not with her again, but with, you know, my regular lady. And I don't want, you know, I don't want to burn a bridge with this place, but this is freaking me the fuck out. And I, I just like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm sitting there frozen. Like what, should I say something? Do I not say something? I feel weird. I feel like I'm kind of being violated a little bit. Like she's picking my scab and I never, she didn't ask and I didn't want her to and I didn't tell her to. This is the most bizarre fucking thing in the world. And I don't know <laughs> how to even process this. And I'm just like sitting there quietly and I'm just like weighing my options. And I'm almost going to just tell her, get up and tell her to fuck off. But then I'm like, okay, just stop. And she just like, she moved on. Like she moved on. She picked it a couple more times. Didn't, thankfully didn't rip the whole thing off. I mean, I, I, whatever. She just like, she just moved on. She got her fill of picking my scab and she moved on. Did the rest of the massage and it was fine. Nothing else weird happened. Um, but like afterwards, I felt really f- kind of fucked up, dude. Like I felt like violated in a way. Like she had done something to me physically, which I was not there for. She did not ask my permission. I did not want her to do that. And it just... I mean, you know, nothing like nothing terrible happened, but at the same time, I felt kind of terrible afterwards. And um, unfortunately, like the owners of that place, uh, they are from China and they, their English is terrible. Um, they're really super friendly, really good people. But like the few times that I've tried to talk to them, it's been really like painful because I don't understand what they're saying. They don't quite understand what I'm saying. I mean, we all smile and nod and it's all fine. But like whenever I have like a request or a question or anything, it's always been just like we just you know, we just go our separate ways because we don't understand what each other is saying. So I don't feel like if I brought this up with the owner, it would be something that I could successfully communicate to her. Um, but man, I felt really like, I just felt really nasty afterwards. This is on par with the time the guy in the Whole Foods bathroom thought you were taking pictures of him and wanted to fight you in the bathroom. Oh my god! Both of these stories are making me equally as uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, so how does? Okay, so please, I want to hear your opinion. My wife gave me her opinion. I'll share her. I'll share her thoughts afterwards. But I want to hear your your thoughts. So like, as I was going through this story and you were, you know, going through this trauma with me, like, what was going through your head or what are you thinking? What would you have done? I want to. I want your feedback, man. Oh God. See, I don't. I okay. So first of all, I've never had a professional massage. So let's just start there. Um, Never, never been to anything like this before. Um, But naturally, as you're telling the story, I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, well, what would I have done? What would I have done? But it's impossible for me to know what I would have done because it's so, it's so easy to be like, oh, well, I would have done this or, oh, of course I would have done that. Like, like, oh, I would have told her to stop or, oh, I would have just sat there and, you know, dealt with it or whatever. But I probably, I mean, if I were in your shoes, I probably would have done the exact same thing. Like, I would have been extremely uncomfortable, and I would have felt very strange. But knowing me and knowing how I know myself, I probably would not have done, I probably would have just let it go and felt strange about it rather than, like, get up and say something. I mean, at the very least, I maybe would have, like, lifted my head up and been like, hey, will you stop? Or, hey, what are you doing? Or, like, can you not? But even that, I don't think I would have done that. Um, And I don't mean this to be an inappropriate question, and and maybe you already answered it in, like, a second that I wasn't paying attention, but was the woman who gave you the massage, did she... Was she capable of speaking good English, or was she like uh, like Asian and not fluent? Also, yeah, she was also from China. She had like basically no English at all. I mean, that's kind of the the, the downside of going to this place is like nobody speaks English. So, um, I mean, it's never been a problem. Like we always, you know, they know I'm here for massage, and I know they're there to massage, and we all quote a price, and it's good. You know, it's fun, but we don't really have like conversations or 
anything and I'm happy to support him and stuff. It's, I mean, it's like literally never been a problem until now. And I'm like, you know, there's like nobody that I can talk to because I don't speak uh, their, their dialect and they don't have great English. So I just, I feel like we're stuck. Mm, man, that's, that's a weird scenario, but I mean, I probably would have done the same thing you did and just not said anything and been uncomfortable and felt weird about it after. But I also probably, I mean, not to be like a dick or anything, but I would probably like never go back there maybe ever again. It's kind of like when you go to like a haircut place and get, I mean, I guess you don't have, you keep your head shaved, right? Don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do. I yeah. mean, sometimes I do too. And sometimes I cut my own hair, but every once in a while I'll, I'll be on like a streak where I go and get my haircut. And I'm the kind of guy where like, I don't, I don't, um, like, I don't go to, like, fancy places to get my hair cut. I literally go to, like, sports clips down the street and get it done for, like, 15 bucks because I don't give a fuck about being, like, pampered at the barbershop. Right, but right, right. if I go get my hair cut and it, they don't cut it the way I want or if they cut it slightly off or if it's weird, I just, like, never go back there ever again. I mean, there's a million haircut places out there, so I'm more than happy to just, like, even if I leave and I'm like, oh, yeah, good job. Thanks. And I tip them because I have manners and all that. <laughs> if it's like like sometimes this happens with Mohawks because I get a Mohawk every once in a while. And sometimes they'll do it just slightly off or they won't cut it exactly the way I want. Or they'll do some weird like taper in the back or something. And, you know, I smile and I pay and I'm happy. But then I get home and I'm like, man, I can't ever go back there again. I mean, that's sort of the how I feel like I would be in this situation. Yeah, I mean, that's it's tough. I mean, like I said, I mean, I've been going to this place for like five years, never had a bad experience. And I know the owners and they're fine. I mean, I we even like baked some cookies one time and, you know, like we exchanged Christmas cards one time. So it's like we're not like best friends or anything, but we're friendly, you know, and I, I you know, in five years, only the, this one new person has been weird. So I don't want to like let that place go because it's like a good deal and I like going there but yeah I mean it's difficult it's difficult because I just I feel like I don't have a way to like really properly address this and I certainly don't want it to happen again um but I asked my wife about this and she totally I mean I she was like you know what she's like this is exactly when a guy pats a girl on the ass in the office or like when someone comes up to you and says something really sexually inappropriate. And I'm like, oh my God, you're totally right. I mean, not to say that my, you know, I'm not trying to say like, oh, now I uh, now I have suffered the same way that women have suffered or whatever. But just that feeling of like somebody doing something to you that you didn't invite and it was not welcome and they did it anyway without asking you. Um, you know, I felt fucked up and weird. And she, all she did was like pick my scab. I mean, which is weird. <laughs> I mean, granted, that's fucking weird. But it's not nearly on the level of like somebody trying to kiss you in an office or somebody grabbing your private parts or something like that, you know? So she was like, oh yeah, that totally, this is what that sounds like. And she's like, that feeling you feel is probably the exact same way it feels like when people would come up to me in a bar and grab me or when someone would say something that was like really gross and over the top. I'm like, oh my God, this is the worst fucking feeling. Like, oh my God. So, I mean, she totally sympathized and she, she knew where I was coming from like immediately. And I felt I felt, like, good that she knew what I was talking about, and then I immediately felt bad that, like, that happens to other people in the world because that's a shitty fucking feeling. And then I kind of felt just, like, mixed up about the whole thing. Like, I just was like, wow, this, this tiny little interaction, which should have been nothing from a place that I've been to a million times and nothing has ever weird happened before, totally sparked into this, like, discussion and this weird residual feeling that I had, and now we're talking about it on the show, and it's just like, ah, just <laughs> weird, man. It's fucking weird. Yeah, I mean, and I... I totally get where Gina is coming from on that because like, I mean, but like in the grand scheme of things, imagine like 
Um, cause you're like a dude and you have enough like heft where you like, look like you can carry yourself. But like, imagine being I, I, like, like imagine having the feeling that you had there and always for like most of your public life being worried that somebody is going to pick your elbow scab. That's like what a lot of women yeah. feel like every single second of their lives. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Not having the feeling of like, if I like, like, you know, like I mean, and totally that kind of feeds into that whole like male privilege thing or whatever, because you know, if I did get up and I did make a scene, like I would expect that someone would like, number one, they would stop. And number two, you know, the owner would come out and would probably apologize or something. And like, you know, like something would happen. Like I would expect some effect to happen from me complaining about it. Uh, and so like me knowing just as a guy, like that's what I would expect as a normal course of my day. If I wanted to raise a fuss, I, you know, I don't think that's really necessarily true. Like if my wife, you know, some scumbag was hitting on her when she was in a bar, you know, back before we were together or something, what could she have done about it? Probably nothing, you know, like leave if she was able other than that. I mean, it's not like anybody would have like left her defense or the owner of a bar wouldn't have come out and told the guy to knock it off. I mean, probably not unlikely. So yeah, I mean, what I felt was nothing compared to like what my wife has gone through and I'm sure what many other women have gone through and, and what they've gone through is worse. And your point is very valid. I mean, the feeling of like not being able to fight back or maybe if I say something, no one will take it seriously. Or, I mean, yeah, I mean, just that little taste of what I got was awful. And that's probably only like, like a millionth, a fraction of what the average woman gets through. So that just was really, um, I mean, I was already sensitive to it. I mean, it's not like I didn't acknowledge it or anything, but like, yeah, it's just a, that that's fucked up, dude. That's really fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really, uh, I'm really sorry that happened to you. Yeah, not good, not good. All right, so, all right, thank you for the feedback. Appreciate it. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's change it up. Uh, I did want to bring up really just total change of gears here. Um, Black Lightning. Have you seen or heard of the TV show Black Lightning? I have seen um, like pictures and stuff on Twitter about it, and I, I don't really watch TV. Like, I don't, I'm not in the whole like, um, like. Because that's that's DC TV, right? Uh, I mean, he is a DC character, and I think it's currently being run by the CW. Is that okay? So it kind of falls under like the Arrow and the Flash verse and stuff like that in a way. See, you would think so, and that is exactly what I thought. But apparently, it Ooh. is not a part of that universe. It, I think. It, I mean, I haven't done my research. Oh, so you know, typical so video games bullshit here. Haven't done any <laughs> any research whatsoever. Uh, but I, I think the guy that does the Arrowverse is also somehow involved in this. But uh, the wife was doing some IMDb research uh, on my behalf. And she's like, no, this is not a part of the Arrowverse, even though it looks like it. But apparently it is totally separate. OK, OK. Well, from what I've seen, I mean, it looks I, I hope that it's good. But the costume design is so terrible. Every time I see a picture of Black Lightning in costume, it looks like something that it looks like a costume that somebody at like a Six Flags like stage show would be wearing and not like a TV like a like a TV show with a budget should be wearing. It looks so cheesy. Dude, I totally agree. I totally agree. So <laughs> let me let me set the stage for you. So we're at home. Um, we need a new family show to watch because we had finished everything else that we were watching. Uh, what did we watch? We watched um, I think we were watching the Mexican version of Ultimate Beastmaster. Because the Americans are fucking douchebags, and so we wanted to watch the Mexican announcers <laughs> instead. Uh, love Ultimate Beast. But we think we finished that. We were watching the Runaways. Have I talked about Runaways? I did talk about that earlier, didn't I? Uh, yeah, I think you talked about it like the first time you watched it. Yeah, finished the Runaways. That was real good. Looking forward to season two. We ended up watching. Um, 
you know, the Orville, which I gushed about so many times. That is an amazing show. Finished all the episodes. Looking forward to season two. So we're like, all right, we got to find some new show that we can watch as a family. Um, for whatever reason, my son just does not want to watch The Flash anymore. We, we actually really like that show a lot. And me and the wife are going to come back to it. But he's like, I don't want to watch The Flash. I'm like, okay, fine. Well, here's Black Lightning. Are you want to give that a try? He's like, yeah, okay, I'll give it a try. So we were, ex- we were fully expecting it to be part of the Arrowverse. Fully, you know, I've seen his shitty costume. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be like mega cheesy. <laughs> But hopefully it'll be like, you know, another equivalent, a little bit of action, some laughs, a little bit of like, you know, hugging and family energy or something. Um, So we start watching the show and like, oh, shit, that is not what that show is at all. That show is okay. Number one, it's awesome. It's really good. I definitely I know you're not a superhero guy, but at least like watch the first episode and see what you think, because that show is one thousand percent not what I expected at all. Uh, It is very hard-edged. It's really gritty. It totally talks about so many societal issues. The first episode was giving me a fucking uh, panic attack because (laughs) the the main character, so Black Lightning, he... Okay, so here's the story. He was a superhero when he was young. He meets this uh, woman who falls in love with him, but then she gets scared for him because, you know, he gets beat up as a hero and stuff. So she's like, stop being a hero. Just grow up and be a responsible dude. And he's like, okay, cool. So he gives it up becomes a, a school principal. He's a principal of a local, like, inner city school. And then he just has been a school principal for, like, 20 years or something. So, like, in the in the course of the first episode, his daughter, like, is arrested. His daughter's black because she was, like, at a protest. He's picking her up from, like, jail and driving home. And he gets pulled over for, like, no reason other than him being black. And the cop is, like, a total dick to him. And he's, like, you know, he's, like, stressed out. He's, like, the super responsible, respectable, you know... Uh, up and up member of, of the community. Like he's like the principal of this local school. And, you know, he's somebody that's, you know, he should be thinking of as a pillar of the community. Totally gets arrested and hassled by the cops. That was stressing me out. And like later on, like the cops hassle him again for like no reason. And I'm like, oh my God, like he's like, it's freaking me out. Like he's just, he's just going about his day and like nothing, he's not doing anything, you know, and the cops keep bugging him. So as it goes on, he eventually decides to get back into crime fighting for various reasons. Too long to explain here. Um, but it was actually really, really fucking good. Like, it was dark. It was way more serious than I thought it was going to be. Like, people got killed and shit. People were getting, like, really beat up really badly. They talk about, like, gangs and being black and the police and crime and trying to get out of it and, like, all this stuff. Dude, it was, like, really fucking good. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm, this is, like, really, like, a quality show. And even though his costume is really, like, dumb looking, um, you kind of forget it after a while because of how he handles himself. And the way that the whole show approaches that content, like they just approach it like really straightforward and serious. And it just, it was, it was like really good, dude. I was, I was shocked. That makes me happy. I'm glad that, cause I, I've only seen a handful of, I mean, I don't even know if I've seen an entire episode, but maybe like a handful of moments from like Arrow and the Flash, because sometimes Patrick watches them. And every time I watch them, they urge it. Like, I know that they have a big fan following. I know that it's like good TV for its core audience. But every time I see them, I'm like, God damn, these shows are cheesy. Like, it's just like cheesy ass soap opera bullshit with like superpowers layered on top and bad special effects. So I'm happy that this show is turning a corner and actually like, okay. So it seems like this could be like the Luke cage of like not Netflix TV. Is it similar in that way? Yeah. You know, I, I was going to bring that up. I think it is pretty similar because they really talk about the community a lot. They talk about his role as a man 
in that community, like how he relates to his friends, his family, um, you know, and like white culture around him and stuff. It, it does really have a very similar tone. Like he's in the street, he's doing stuff that's not like, you know, he's not like flying to the moon and fighting people in space and he's not like, in a, <laughs> you know, anything crazy like that. Not like a galactic level superhero and it's not like a Marvel movie. Like he's very much... You know, he's like he's going down to the store on the corner where someone's getting robbed and it's like his neighborhood or it's like he's going over to the ho- the motel where there's prostitution. He's trying to get a girl out of there and it's just like two blocks over. So it's all very like very like grounded in like, you know, locality and, and his community and just like the people that are like immediately around him. Um, it has a very similar feeling to Luke Cage. I mean, I, I don't want to like lump the two black superheroes together because it sounds kind of vaguely racist and but they do actually have like a lot of tone in common and i I did um i did appreciate that about luke cage as well but yeah this i almost feel like it's a little better than luke cage just um oh shots fired yeah i mean i do like luke cage i'm not saying luke cage is bad i I enjoyed it very much but i feel like black lightning was it was just had more teeth to it like it just was it was grittier and more immediate um really kind of struck me struck me differently than luke cage did and also i thought it was really interesting um so the, the teacher's got a daughter. He's got two daughters. Uh, and the oldest one actually turns out to be a lesbian. And it's not, it's not even a plot point. It's like they show the daughter in bed with her girlfriend. And all of us were all like, oh, on the couch. Like, we were not, <laughs> not expecting that to happen. Like, it was like two notches more graphic than I was expecting to see, you know? <laughs> so we're like, oh, whoa. And my son's like, he's like, oh, look, it's two girls. That's nice. And I'm like, yeah, don't look, dude. And I'm like, I'm doing the dad thing of like putting my hand over his eyes. And he's like doing the peeking up and peeking down and peeking up and peeking down. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. I, okay, I should have watched this first. But I was expecting like arrow level stuff. But anyway, it's 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 not even a plot point. Like uh, like the very next scene, the mom is like, oh, yeah, where's the daughter? And he's like, oh, he's over with or she's over with her girlfriend. Blah, blah, blah. Move on. Like, it's not even not even a plot point. So I thought that was really a big notch in its favor where they're just like, yeah, she's, she's lesbian. It's cool. We all know it's not a secret, not a problem. We just go on with our lives. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That was very, very appreciated. So anyway, um, we've only watched the first, I want to say the first three episodes, but God, it has been like way better than I expected. I expected cheesy. I expected just goofy, you know, clean family fun. It's way darker than that. Way harder edged, way more hard hitting. Uh, definitely recommend it though. I mean, maybe not for you if you're not into superheroes, but for anybody listening, man, I just, I just was not expecting that show to be good. And that show is fucking good so far. <laughs> so anyway, Black Lightning. Black Lightning. Black two Lightning. thumbs up from uh, Brad Galloway. <laughs> and my son, he wants to watch that episode again. So he can see some lesbian sex. Yeah, he was, he, he was all about it. So I guess, you know, hey, red-blooded American kid, I guess I'm, Guess I'm raising him right, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you knows? should watch um you should watch Atomic Blonde, the Charlie's there in with them, because there's some lesbian sex in that movie. Yeah, well maybe maybe he gets a little older, perhaps. We'll, <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when I come to it. All right, dude. I know uh, we got more topics. I feel like I'm bantered out, man. You want to get into the meat of the show? I would love to get into the meat of the show. Alright, dude, we're gonna wrap this up and let's talk about some games. 